Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. I'm going to use all of my self-control and not use any of this podcast to talk about Honkai Star, Star Rail, uh, which I have been playing, and I really do want to talk about the trash cans, but you may have all seen that on the internet already. But uh, well, I guess we'll we're all sick in a way this week. <laughs> yes, I've seen well, a weird number of what appear to be Disco Elysium references in that game. Which okay, so as wow. probably the last person in the Glorio chat who has not played Disco Elysium, I do feel like I've absorbed enough of it to maybe understand are, are, why are that are would happen. Pi- are there are there piss soaked cum stained party pants in Honkai Star Rail? <laughs> No, but like I saw a reference to like, oh, somebody the, was sleeping in this trash can or something. Uh, right. Or a the, dumpster. Uh, gonna do the jam rock shuffle. Someone wears a jacket <laughs> that says fuck the world. But, uh, I, I I mean if they could get away with it, the main character of Honkai Star Rail would definitely wear that jacket. But uh since they, they do the thing I love where uh the main character is a horrible chaotic gremlin person, but uh, I said I was not going to talk about Honkai Star Rail. We have a lot of anime to talk about, so let's move on. Well, don't worry, Jill. The next time I go through another depressive episode, I'll probably pick it up. <laughs> yes, yeah, so when you're ready to pick up another, when you're ready to pick up another gotcha game, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll talk. Anyway, let's uh, let's let's introduce everybody before we get into the anime talk. I'm Jill. I'm joined by Iro. I'm still here. I'm 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 not dead yet. That doesn't sound as convincing as usual, but uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you for hanging in, hanging in with us, Iro. And uh, we're joined by G. Even in death, I still serve. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. yes, also avoiding death to be with us uh, this week. And uh, we are joined with uh, joined uh, by Aqua. My heart is in a thousand pieces, and my chest is full of bees. <laughs> So you can tell we're all doing fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Session. This is going to be a fun one, folks. Uh, we've it's got, May 2023, baby. Yep. We've got uh, a lot of shows stuck around from our preview show, um, which leaves us with quite a bit to talk about. And some of these, I think we're going to have a lot to say. So um, let's dive into it. And we can start with... Uh, finally getting around to watching whatever this Ranking of Kings thing is, the Ranking of Kings, the Treasure Chest of Courage. Um, yes. I, I, up until about five minutes ago, I thought this was actually like Blu-ray extras that they were putting out, but I guess not. This is actually... No, this is new stuff. New, newly animated stuff. Quote-unquote new content. Right. Um, but, but it's we were, like... It's like all of the stories from the parts of the manga that the first season adapted that they didn't adapt right or something like that i didn't i didn't yeah, i didn't check like actual i didn't do actual research on it but that's what it feels like like I i'm not actually try. even sure of that like there's a lot of it that feels like it's almost like just i don't know ova gaiden material right. yeah. like the thing this reminds me of is like when a band announces a new album and you're like didn't you guys put out a new album last year? 
And, and they'll like be like, no, no, this is, all, uh... this is like our new material. And then you'll listen to it. It's like, this is obviously B-sides from the recording session for the last album. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe, so... maybe that's a better title for Ranking of Kings is Ranking of Kings B-sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it's, it's weird because it is like full-length episodes and there's going to be 10 of them. So it's like time-wise the content of a new season. But the content itself is not a new season. If you were expecting mm-hmm. the continuation of Boji's adventure to starting his own kingdom, which is the only thing that I was interested in watching for more Ranking of Kings, then that is not happening. These are like in-between stories of like what they were doing when they were training with Despa or whatever. and Which is odd, right? Because when Ranking of Kings was originally airing, we pretty much loved all the characters like we would have given a lot to get more time with these characters right. so what happened so what happened is this this season is what we sort of assumed ringing kings might have been just based on the aesthetic which is mm-hmm. it's a bunch it's so far it's kind of a bunch of stories of like and then they did a thing and people were nice and then everybody loved happily ever after abuse people were nice it's whereas, literal fairy think, tales. Right. Yeah. right. They, feel think, like, they feel like uncritical fairy tales. Right. And I think um, what drew us to the show in the first place was that it used that aesthetic to have a g- much greater like emotional depth uh, right. and nuance Absolutely. than we were expecting. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I feel like, there's yeah, not any like, of that here when it's just like, and they meet the old mushroom lady and you who uh, knows fairy tales knows that the old mushroom lady will... You know, is bugging Kage to test his battle. It's a and, secret test of character. And whatnot, and that mm. as he proves his good good intentions, she will permit him to take the mushrooms or whatever. Whereas, I don't know, yeah, in, in the original show, you would not we would not be doing something as mundane as that, right? Well, the thing Just, is that the show is that the original Ricky of Kings did it. It did it in a way that kept things like compelling and a little surreal and occasionally off-putting like in a lot of ways i would you know like you had the episode where kage and boji meet the king of the forest right the weird dancing guy who like is implied to have been a former number one king who has lost himself to the madness right and but like that is like structurally that is basically a we meet a weird old person in the woods episode but it's execution episode (laughs) yes yeah is so dramatically different from right and it's like it's very intertwined with the other mysteries of the setting and stuff Mm -hmm. uh whereas like i don't know i don't think the shutter cap mushrooms or whatever are going to necessarily (laughs) be tied into the greater story of like why these characters do what they do right i think oh go ahead no, it's kind of odd because it feels like one of those like anthology manga, but not like you know the the ones yeah, where yeah. they're like, oh, we had like twelve different manga cut to do a chapter <laughs> of these yeah. characters from popular property doing random things, and it's like it always feels off because mm-hmm. like it is just those mangaka interpreting their personal. Right interpretation of the character which is usually more shallow than well, to a certain, the to a, to a depiction extent, i think those anthologies can be fun because yeah. of that yeah i think that where record of kings doesn't even like hit that level of like academic interest is like the three or four episodes we've seen so far are not even like particularly like novel interpretations of ranking of kings mm-hmm. it's 
kind of been the most like surface level like the most interesting like story i think that we've seen is probably the queen healing episode where it's basically just explains how did she get those three knights that are accompanying her in the second half right Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say it's like, ah, there's like some hard-hitting revelations here, but it's more like, oh, it's just a little bit more of Queen Healing and like, you know, examining her life before she became married to King Boss. You know, we find out that, oh, Queen Healing, before she became a queen, was the white mage of her adventurer's party. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, 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 it seems like in-betweening, you know? It's filling in the gaps that didn't need to be filled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I... I think for me, and I didn't even watch that far. I think I watched, I don't even remember if I watched the second episode, to be honest, because it's all like, it's like, even though it's a full length episode, it's like two or three segments per episode, right? Like they're broken right. down into smaller right. pieces and none of the stories have anything to do with each other. Um, I, to me, it's like, yeah, these little like fun little fairy tales are an aspect of what Rankings of Kings is, but we enjoyed the main series because that was like one piece of like a much more multi-layered yeah series right and so it doesn't feel like it's necessarily out of place with ranking of kings but this is also like one little piece of it that's probably the least interesting piece of the entire series yeah to me overall it just feels like they're they're just kind of milking a pretty popular because i understand but i think the anime was pretty popular like it's just like we're squeezing out as much as we can out of this thing yeah so you guys were really rather bummed on the ending of the original ranking of kings, right? Yeah. Do you think, like, do you think this continues the same problems, or is it just a completely different issue? Uh, completely different. Sort of different issue. Yeah. I would say. yeah. I think it's a different issue. I mean, they probably they are probably talking in concert with each other, right? Because for better or worse, we watch these episodes, and in the back of our heads, we all know that well. This all goes in one direction by the end of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know how all these character arcs are going to conclude. So, yeah. in that aspect, they are a little bit connected. But no, I, I would say that our specific issues with this new series are 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 fundamentally different from the issues we had with the ending of the original um, anime. I was just interested because you do stress the fact that in these new stories, it's all about being nice. And and, and that was also an issue with the ending of the original show, right? (laughs) That they're so dedicated to, to, you know, the reconciliation. Right, Right, but there's like, it's like, there's a time and place for that. And, Mm -hmm. And so far in these stories, it's like, okay, well, yes, that is a time to be a nice person and it makes sense like and it doesn't go against you know the 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 sort of i guess logic that we've established for the show and everything um Mm -hmm. whereas i felt like in the main series they were building up to a point where it was like okay well you there are are times where you can't be the nice person you have to you know make tough decisions and things Mm -hmm. and they kind of just through that out the window at the end but you know we, we don't we don't need to relitigate the no, no, ranking of kings yeah. here but but yes th- that so yeah it, to answer your question overall i don't think that's the problem here i think the problem here is just it's like these little one-off stories that are like not really relevant to anything and it's like not really i don't feel like it's adding much to the ranking of kings experience and you know they're not really that interesting enough on their own or deep enough i mean they're, they're each like you know 10 minutes long or something mm-hmm. Um, 
So, if they do end up making a second season that properly continues the story, are you going to be tuning in? So I think that my prediction is that uh, since the, the eponymous Treasure Trust of Courage is yet to appear, I think that, and because the opening is, the opening is set, like, after season one, like, mm. the clips of in the opening of all the characters of season one, I think there will probably be a multi-episode arc probably at the end of this that's a continuation. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe like, I thought that's the vibe I, thought, I get. Oh, right. I thought the treasure chest just referred to, like, oh, it's a treasure trove of stories. It could also be like, that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, that, that's a good point because the, the opening does kind of speak about the events of the first right. season. And, and because every, really episode, all of, every episode's like, I'm sure you remember times. the events of season yeah. one, but this story happened in between here and here. Oh, boy. It, yeah. It's referring to everything in past tense. So, like, Maybe this this maybe it is just setting up a proper season two. I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know. I I I haven't even watched past. I don't know if you guys are gonna keep yeah. watching it. I'm getting some serious it. like Haruhi season two vibes of this. Of like, Oof. here is just some like in this in in the same unessential stuff that we could also adapt. Right, and then the real continuation is like later on a movie or another season or something like, like that mm-hmm. let's be real nothing will ever be haruhi season two they will never do that again um uh time and place yeah. all you kids out there go look that up because that was like only real ones remember endless eight what a day <laughs> yes. what a time to be alive go, if you're under if you're under the age of 25 go google endless eight uh, yeah. oh god all right let's move on um, let's I'm so glad about... we're comparing Ranking of Kings to Endless Eight. <laughs> That's how it yeah. feels, huh? Maybe, maybe not the best comparison. Um, but yeah, let's move on. I talk about my love story with Yamada Kun at level nine nine nine. Uh, it's been interesting these past two weeks. I feel like they've swung wildly between being the most basic, predictable shoujo manga <laughs> template stories to not that exactly more of its own sort of comfortable friends hanging out vibe um okay and it all centers mostly on these two episodes kind of focus on one of the other girls in the guild who's she's a, so she's a younger girl she's like, like supposed to be like she's supposed to be like 13 or 14 so pretty young oh, wow. everybody okay. else right. a child. she's like the yeah. She's like <laughs> so like she her adult brother is also in the guild, so they're in it together. Okay. So that's sure, how they're sure. in, in it. And um she she also has a crush on Yamada Kun and it's completely one sided. Yamada Kun who is like twice her age. Well, he's like we established he's seventeen or eighteen. Oh, okay. Right. He's, he's the Yeah, I was gonna school. say. I feel like it's... my bad. I was. I'm <laughs> I mean, mixed up yeah. with the various other like game themed romance shows. And, also, and... yeah, precocious crush is not necessarily a bad trope. It depends on what you do with it. Like... And I, yeah, and I think she feels even more inadequate because the main girl is like twenty or twenty to twenty two. We established, right? So she's right, actually okay, yes. getting considerably yeah. older than than this girl, and she's seeing her man getting taken away by a. <laughs> This like older this woman, Jezebel. Yeah. Yes, and uh, so she 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 sets she sets her up like she's oh. where she says because at first she's they have like an in person meet up and and she's like really mean to the main girl and then she's like at the end she's like oh I'm sorry maybe we should go hang out and she <laughs> she tells her we're gonna hang out on this date and 
when that day comes, she instead has Yamada-kun come over to tutor her because he does that. And instead sets up, uh, sends one of her, uh, we finally see a stereotypical gamer guy. Oh, <laughs> stereotypical gamer guy's friends telling telling him he's like, it's a blind date or something to go meet her while she, while she goes hang, and hangs out with Yamada at the appointed uh, time that they were going to hang out. Some real, 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 uh, real dick move basically. But uh, yeah, so, so, but you know, Yamada, because he's on top of everything and he really cares about the main girl figures it out. He's like, wait, I remember several weeks ago, you said you were going to hang out with her on this date. (laughs) Why, 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 why are we, uh, where, you know, where is she? What happened? And he, and he gets mad and everybody gets mad and we get the funny, we get a, we get a rather funny scene with the, the, the main girl trying to politely shake off this gamer dude who is like basically m'lady m- everything, uh, <laughs> calling her, uh, you know, whatever Sama, you know, uh-huh. and uh, and so uh, see, so yeah, Alan Torres is trying his hand at different show. <laughs> yeah, so so the rest of the guild comes and rescues her, and you know, Big Brother scolds the little girl for what she did, and she feels bad, and she's like, "It's only because I don't want to lose all my friends and everything." And they just make like a hard flip over into the next episode where like now they're friends, I guess. Uh, uh-huh. And and the, the main girl is sort of like her big sister now and they're hanging out and having fun. And we are friends now. And I mean, she's, kind, so she's kind of she's kind of trying to now her and her brother are now trying to hook up, hook her up with Yamada officially because they're, you know, still shuffling their feet when, you know, they should be dating at this point. But. Uh-huh. It's, uh through all of this there's not really a lot of video game stuff which was okay good <laughs> well yeah. yeah i was i was kind of a little disappointed though like i mean they did have they did have some they did have a little they did have some jokes in there um like one of them where the main girl is uh trying to farm new boots and she she mm-hmm. she copies yamada and farms uh intelligence based boots but she's a paladin and he's a uh, he's a wizard. So God, like, that's some, like deep deep gamer. Uh, yeah, so he's like he's like optimal. Yeah, gotta, he's like uh, he's like oh, you got to farm the vitality boots. You're a paladin. Come on, <laughs> and uh, you know, so they they slip a little bit of that out there. But I mean, like ninety percent of these two episodes are completely outside of the game world and have nothing to do with it. Which I th- I think it's good and bad because when I when I was talking about the show last time this is a rare show that actually does a good job of taking those jokes and like using them to enhance the right. story. Right. Yeah. Like overall, it seems like a very like positive, like take on that. Yes. On those kinds of tropes. Like it might even like, because with the thing with the like classic gamer guy being shown as like a, an undesirable joke character, it almost feels a bit like, a, a kind of fantasy for girls who like do love video games but hate all the guys <laughs> they have to hang out with in video <laughs> games. Yeah, like... in a way that that might be <laughs> right. that might be a little there might be a little bit of that going on here. To be honest, yeah. yeah. What what if what if the guys you're playing with are actually we're actually nice, gamers, yeah. yeah, that are really nice to you and yeah, uh, yeah. So there, there might be a little bit of that in there. That's fine. Uh, yeah. So, um. But yeah, I mean, it, it's been it's been fun. Uh, I, I I think at expanding the cast has generally been good. Uh, the the one other person in their guild 
is this like balding middle-aged man who's like a strawberry farmer and he's like very like yeah. uh he's just like the nicest like sweetest oh, guy hell yeah and and like like when they when he finds out um what happened to the main girl he's like freaking out and he's like we go down we're gonna go help we're gonna go save her even though he's like he's a very like sort of meek type he's not like a like he's like a very like soft-spoken sort of meek type Mm -hmm. of guy but he's like all fired up to go save the and he's he's (laughs) probably the best character so far but uh anime old man always good Mm -hmm. Uh, also top tier anime faces ah. dumb anime faces there there's one bit with the the young girl um, is hanging out with the main girl and the main girl's other adult friend. They're like lazy. They're just having a lazy Saturday afternoon at, and yep. they start arguing about like her friends, like you, you stop playing video games. Let's go somewhere or something. And that while they're arguing the whole time is just, just like the camera fixed on the, the younger girl making like a really stupid face and eating potato chips while she's watching them. For, like <laughs> yeah, I'll have to post that screen cap. Enjoying later, the show. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just like uh, great, you know, there's some uh, there's there's some hot competition this season for good faces. It's mm. true, there is competition, but the, yeah, they're they're putting in a strong showing. So, so, Jell, you've been like you've watched several shows with similar setups, like you know, like your, your romance in an MMO from a female perspective. I'm, yes, I'm that, that's some genre. Of, <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm like, I'm especially thinking about that one show with the director who was like a anti Semite. Oh, before the director went on his anti Semite yeah, rant. Uh, yeah. reco- recovery of an MMO. Junkie. Right. That, how would you compare this to that? Uh, this is a little more conventional shoujo romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that show was, because in that show, they were like over 30, they were like real adults. Right, um, right. So it was more of that, like working adult perspective versus you know, even though the the main girl is like still in college or whatever, most of the characters it still it still feels like teenagers, at least to me because mm-hmm. I'm an old man. Um, it's like a yeah nominal difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, they're not they're not showing it. There's no like school bits. There's no like you know, let's go to the mm-hmm. cultural festival or something like. There's there's, there's no school stuff, but you know. In terms of like maturity, level, it is still very much the Seishun Spring of Youth, uh, yeah, vibe, so, yeah, which is fine because, like, I mean, we don't have to deal with the school stuff, so I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's nice, but yeah, so I think that's probably the primary difference. And this this does feel more like a conventional, like I said, some of those plot lines of like, like when she sets up the main girl for the on the fake blind date, that felt like something out of a shoujo manga, like mm-hmm. something this really is villain, just like this is your the, like. Shoujo romance with gaming, yes, a little with, bit of like, that, yeah, injected yeah. into it. But it, but it's, I mean, but I mean, very well done version of yeah, it. Yeah, like a, yeah. I mean, clearly written by someone who knows their stuff. Like, right, yeah. So uh, it's been fun. Yeah. All right. Have they All reached right. level nine hundred ninety nine yet? No. Uh, as I was. as I referred to last week, I, I believe the level nine 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 refers to their love for each other, but we have not gotten there yet. Oh, we're, we're getting there. Um, let's talk about another nice show. Yeah, <laughs> nice, full of nice people. Uh, mm-hmm. Skip and Loafer and Igashira. <laughs> yes. Um, and Aqua, are you watching this still? Skip and Loafer, absolutely. Okay, okay, you're, so you're still with me uh, yeah. on this one. Yeah, so. I I guess the since the the first episode it's been kind of 
introducing a new character per episode or something kind of yeah that. they've been doing like their their traditional run of like early manga run focused chapters which they have all been nicely pairing into separate chapters uh separate episodes right yeah um, with a little with a little sprinkling of shima's backstory right right the enigma that is sosuke shima yeah. uh sprinkled in as is I pointed out the, last uh, time, the hot guy, yeah, the himbo, the main, yes, yeah, the main, the main guy is the only one that we never hear his like inner thoughts. Everybody mm-hmm. else, right. we hear their inner thoughts, but not him. You said he was and, like a uh, child actor or something. Yeah, and he, yes. I, he gave it up because I guess he just doesn't want the. He's because he just doesn't like it. Like, yeah, he doesn't. He, didn't he doesn't like, like it. it. He didn't like the pressure and like. Yeah, I think they're setting them up as sort of the contrast of like the main girl is like hyper ambitious. I'm going to be prime right. minister. And he's like, I mm-hmm. just want to chill, bro. You know, um, right. I mean, the thing the thing in this show is that it really has a, a consistent through line in its theme for all the characters, because it's all about like perception and being perceived as a specific kind of person, while in reality you feel more multifaceted than that. And mm-hmm. The pressure that comes with that, because like the the most recent episode was about Igashira, the quote unquote mean girl, you know, who, who, who like tries to be is like is like the the popular superficial one, and it's about her like reckoning with the fact that that is partly a disguise that is like a something she worked very hard to cre- create for herself because she used to be like a. She's like she is not uh, blessed in the looks department. She's someone who admits to, like, who says, you know, I, I gain weight easily, you know, so I always have to watch mm-hmm. what I eat, or else I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll gain weight and people will make fun of me. I have to, like, you know, put a lot of effort into my hair and makeup to look like, you know, what people expect me to be, which is the popular girl. Right. And, and, people that I'm hanging out with. <laughs> right, right. And then, like, she, that also, like, contrasts with uh, the fact that she has a crush on Shima, just like literally every other girl in the entire school. <laughs> right. And how she tries to, like, reconcile that being with, like, with, like, the whole thing of like am i am i really superficial or is it like a is this genuine or is this also part of my oh of course you know the hot mean girl is in love with the hottest guy in school right and then they contrast that with like yusuki the the blonde girl who is like effortlessly hot but is definitely not that archetype of like the 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 me the outgoing mean girl and she's more like way more she's, considerate and just like kind of nice. She's kind of like girl Shima, honestly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. like just yeah, just chill and and then you have like the the student council uh, treasurer girl who very much has a similar thing going on, and it's our main character Mitsubi who's like the complete opposite of that, right? Because Mitsubi does not try to hide who she is. She is literally just a cringe overachiever, and because right. she admits that she is a cringe overachiever, <laughs> everyone kind of appreciates her for her honesty. Like, the thing with Skip and Loafer is, this is a manga where the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is the main character. Hmm. Like, 
she essentially serves as the manic pixie dream girl to many of these characters except to shima and that is like also part of the reason why he likes hanging out with her and the reason why he like his what the hell is going on with him is kind of like the central mystery because right. i've been catching up with the manga and it's still not entirely clear like you get a better grasp on how he thinks and why he is the way he is but it's really interesting what they do with this character who like initially just seems like oh generic nice shoujo boy but also has once again has that same thing going on of like is his persona his role his stereotype that he plays in this story is that who he actually is or is that a role he puts on to like for the enjoyment of other people who expect mm -hmm. that kind of role from him right yeah yeah, yeah I, it's probably not a coincidence mm -hmm. that he was an actor right that's right right his backstory right but mm -hmm. yeah um yeah, I mean, that all probably makes it sound a little more serious than it probably oh, is, but it's... I'm an, I'm an overanalyzer, you yes. know this, no, right? it's like... No, it's all there. Like, that's that's <laughs> all the things that are, like, kind of going on beneath the surface, right, that are that are all part of the show. And part of why I feel like this feels a little more substantial than your average, right. like, nice people being nice yeah. to each other show. But uh, this is but... prominently still, you know... <laughs> That's nice people yeah. being nice to each other show. Like like yeah, even right, the, I would say like word this that that show's got all this going on. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like Especially, even like the uh the, the girl you're talking about before who you know in episode you, right, one yeah. Yeah, like her easily quote, been, unquote bullying is like the tamest like yeah, but, girls you being know, catty stuff you can imagine. Yeah. You know, even she gets her sort of you know, like sympathetic episode, right, where yeah. like, she could have easily been a throwaway like the, the antagonist in the right. first episode or whatever, but they kind of make her part of the, the group still. Yeah, she's she's in the squad. And yeah. like and you that's that's the thing, like even when they sh because like that's the thing that they I don't know if you've ever heard this, but it's a common saying um, that is often applied to children's television. And people say it's every Garden of Eden needs, needs a snake, right? You can't, <laughs> okay. you can't make a like perfect world where everyone is nice to each other. There always has to be like a, a grumpy, mean person. Like in Sesame Street, there's Oscar the Grouch. You know, there always has to be like a, a mean guy to like make or like highlight the fact that everyone is 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 nice to each other and every earth it, house needs a choo-choo right <laughs> so in every like in skip and loafer that's not really one person like usually it's makoto like the glasses girl who is being just like a yeah. stereotypical demotivated nerd they all but take like, turns all, yeah. all of these characters will have like little tiny flaws that make them more human than the like very saccharine moe style that we're used to from anime and that's i think that's part of the reason why the show is less saccharine even though it is very much a show about nice people being nice and like having a soft good time yeah yeah and i think it also just i that in like uh, it keeps the energy up a little more right uh, also a good contender for uh for the faces especially yes. in the latest episode a lot of very good uh, anime faces in this show as well. Yeah. So 
Also, Another. excellent performances. Like, uh, Mitsumi yeah. is uh, Tomoyo Kurosawa, who is uh, pretty much one of the best voice actresses of her generation. She's uh, uh, Kinuko in uh, Sound Euphonium, among others. And she just always turns in the, like, yeah. greatest, over the top yet, like, unapologetically gremlin y. Performances <laughs> like, yeah. yep, that's a that's another very good role with Kiriko, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Kumiko, that's her name. Uh, sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Kumiko, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's been that's been a long time. Flu from yes. Sound Euphonium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, that's uh, still having fun with that one. Yep. Yeah. Let's uh, let's come back to show we haven't talked about in a little while because it's been airing since last season. And now yeah. for something completely different. <laughs> this is, yeah. What the Vinland saga is not nice people being nice to each other. No need for no need for first impressions or wrap ups. Vinland saga has just continued to just be here trucking. the whole yep. time. Yes. Yeah. Um, so now that we're back to our regularly scheduled uh, talking about anime. How are things going with Vinland Saga? Oh, baby. Um, They're well, going. Uh, yeah, a lot of things have gone um, gone down. Um, so from the last time we talked about Vinland Saga, I believe we had left off on the episode where uh, Thorfinn resolves to uh, uphold pacifism oh, as it as his new, like, sort of ideological tenet going forward, uh, right? It feels like so long ago now. I know, right? And it's sort of meant to be a very, like, a uh, uh, self-affirming moment, right? That Thorfinn, the little, you know, the the little Murder Viking boy. ninja, you know, who was murking dudes left and right in season one, has has ha- has achieved, you know, self-actualization, right? And the thing that Vinland Saga like does so well is like the following episodes are basically all about how the myriad conflicts that are spurred on in an in I mean, I mean, you know, this is a Viking story, but it really in any medieval society, you know, are spurred on by like a combination of interlocking like social obligations and expectations and the ways in which people will act because of those societal expectations. Um, Get a nice little segue there from Skip and Loafer, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so for example, you know, Thorfinn and Einar continue working on the plot of land that has been, you know, sort of loaned out to them by their master Kettle. And, you know, years have passed and, like, they have they've harvested from it uh, multiple, you know, multiple years now. And they, have, they have seen the fruits of their labor. And uh, in recognition of their efforts, Kettle is uh, offering to, to, uh, to make them freed men uh, by the end of the year, essentially. Uh, yeah. With the offer to even employ them as proper, like, landed employees of his plantation. Oh boy, sharecropping. Ten- tenant farmers. Really. Essentially, yeah. yes, yes, that they will be upgraded to tenant farmers, which, you know, again, in this sort of medieval society, going from slave to tenant farmer is a, uh, a tremendous upgrade, if even just for the part where your bodily autonomy is not, <laughs> right uh, by default, the property of another human being. Um, and this is immediately contrasted with Arnhide, uh, the female slave that Thorfinn and Einar have befriended over the years, who uh, Kettle has taken a liking to over the years, and she has become his favorite 
his favorite attendant. Bedtime companion. Uh, yes, bedtime companion, right? And we can do that. We can do the math. Yeah, on that one. And there is the unspoken reality that there is no path to freedom for someone like Arnhide. Like, even in the realms of chattel slavery, there are the slaves who have it slightly better than the others, right? Like, in many ways, Thorfinn and Einar are, as far as slaves go, privileged to even have the option to right. work for their freedom. Right. Because um, there's nothing uh, There's nothing obligating Kettle to, like, allow that arrangement to happen. Exactly. Like, this, is like the, this is like the house slave versus field slave thing you often see in stories about American slavery, right? Right. Though in some ways, funnily enough, reversed, right? Because in this right. situation, the house slave is the one who has no hope of ever um, right. uh, escaping. And, um... And so we kind of leave it on this note when then Kettle is summoned back to, uh, I think to I think I think to Denmark. De- Denmark, where, yeah, yes, where where King Canute is preparing his plans to continue his conquest of England, and uh, King Canute is also beginning to find himself increasingly burdened by, you know, heavy is the head that bears the crown, right? And King Canute is. Intentionally contrasted with Thorfinn in the sense that these two characters, one a king, one a slave, look at the state of the world and say, it cannot stay like this. Something must change. And Thorfinn's conclusion is to resolve to a life of pacifism, to reduce the amount of harm he commits to the world. King Canute also looks at the state of the world and comes to the conclusion, I must commit as much violence and backstabbing as possible to create a more just world than the one I inherited. And so we have, we see King Knut, you know, engaging in a lot of like dirty King shit. Like he poisons his own brother. Uh, He is doing a lot of like, you know, backroom politicking, making deals with various landed Lords, you know, to, to gain their support in his upcoming war effort. And finally he, decides that uh, to essentially forcefully seize Kettle's land. Uh, he needs he needs food, he needs crops, he needs he has an army to feed, and um basically decides, well shit, like either I can like cut a deal with this dude, but honestly just, just taking yeah. <laughs> yeah, like taking his land would be a lot easier. Right. I'm the king. I don't need to make deals. Exactly, right? <laughs> and so King Canute basically puts Kettle in a Kobayashi Maru, a, situ- a, a political and societal situation in which it is impossible for him to win. And um, the long and short of it is that Kettle's sons um, are involved in the murder of some of King Canute's men. Um, but King Canute basically set this up from the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. basically, the situation was either. Uh, Kettle's sons endure um, humiliation and disgrace, and as you know, proper Norse men, uh, this would essentially be uh, social suicide, or fight back and harm men who are loyal to the king, and thus a different form of social suicide. <laughs> and 
Yeah, it's it's very much one of those things of like again, we see people here who, regardless of their principles or morality, and I'm not going to say that Kettle's sons are particularly good people, but they too are locked in a situation where they must uphold the expectations and tenets of the society they belong to. And like, there's a thread through here. Like, stuff is only convenient for the, these constructs are only. Uh, use as long as they're convenient because like Kettle's son is like this was a fair duel everybody saw it he insulted my honor until I killed him and like we all know that this is how it works even though on paper I'm not supposed to do it we all do it but then the guards can say well you're not supposed to do it so you're in trouble now Uh, right that is that is the important distinction to be made here right is that these societal expectations are leveraged most harshly when it when it is most convenient for people the people in power to do so. Mm-hmm. And you might think, boy, so now uh just before Thorfinn and Einar are to be freed, King Canute is seizing their lands, and I don't think he is going to suddenly uphold any agreement, any non-legally binding agreements Kettle may have had made, you know, before losing his land, or uh, insulting the king in this case. And uh, you might think, man. This sure is becoming a bit of a complicated situation, isn't it? <laughs> uh-huh. And then we meet Garter. Yep. Uh, Garter is uh, is an escaped slave who has risen in rebellion against his master, uh, Spartacus style. He has murdered his he has a he has murdered his owner and he has fled his lands. And we find out that Garter is Arnhide's former husband. Uh, before the from from before the two had been enslaved and separated, and now he is on the hunt for his enslaved wife, and uh, this gets into a new set of <laughs> societal complications in the world of Vinland Saga because the long the long and short of it is Garter finds out where Arnhide is being kept, but we find out that Arnhide is pregnant with Kettle's unborn child. And now Arnheit is caught in maybe the absolute worst possible situation where her former husband, the man she loved before they were separated and enslaved, has come back hungry for revenge and eager to free her. But the reality is she has made a new life for herself on Kettle's plantation. It is not necessarily an easy life or a good life but it is a new status quo that she has come to accept. And now here is a man from that old life that threatens to upend that status quo in the most violent way possible. And now we have another character who is caught in a lose-lose situation. There is no way out for Arnhide. Either she goes with her husband and becomes a fugitive, likely to be hunted down and murdered by her owner, or she ignores the man she once truly loved in exchange for the more, for the time being, safer status quo that she has found herself in now. And it doesn't go well for anybody. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't, th- I mean, nope. these are all lose-lose situations, right? I mean, uh-huh. yes. And, and, and that's. That's sort of the, 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 the recurring theme that Vinland Saga is enforcing now, is that no matter where you are in this violent, feudal society, 
no matter where you live, whether you are a king or a slave, we are all we are all trapped by our by our societal obligations. And it's going to take someone truly driven, truly principled to look at the state of this world and ask, what can we do differently? And the trials that Thorfinn is about to endure are sort of going to be the things that make or break that conviction, I guess. And I don't know, man. It's it's like, I, I say it every week, right? Like, it is astounding how good this show is. Like, the latest episode of Vinland Saga is entirely devoted to the interiority of a dying man. Like, right. Like the full 20 minutes. The full 20 minutes are just devoted purely to a man reflecting on the decisions he's made in his life that have led him to his current predicament and the regrets he has, the the clarity he has gained too late to 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 utilize effectively. Like looking back on the victories and defeats and wondering where things could have gone differently. And finally, the resigned acceptance that he will never be able to make up for the mistakes that he's made. And, dog, that's just a full episode of this show. And it's not even a main character. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Like, yeah, just- dude. <laughs> <laughs> Even just like talking about it, like uh, Midland Saga is uh, really good. I cannot stress it enough. It's... That's a lot of weight to carry. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that was and like all the garter stuff is like. Even in the context of the show, it's almost a side story, right? Because yeah, we all know that the Canute stuff is um over the sea, coming like on its way, and. But man, they they don't know that. They just have to deal with this uh, stuff right now. That's the biggest problem they've had to face for years. Right. Like Thorfinn, Einar, and Arnhide are, as of the latest episode, going through what they think has been the worst day in their life. It's and their worst worse. day is actually like three days down. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a magnificent show. The way it just compounds its its struggle and hardships to like yeah really push these characters to like places that you just never could have foreseen in season one right yeah i mean as as like i don't know as heavy and kind of depressing as that all sounds i feel like from what you've told me it's like the 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 message is still there, right? That makes it keeps it from being just like total, just hopeless, like misery, porn, right? Right? Like, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I wrote it. How how have you felt about yeah. this? I mean, you, 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 you had it covered. <laughs> I don't have anything yeah. else to add to that. You 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 you're gonna second all that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. it's good. Some someday, someday I, I I need to watch this before, or at least before we reach our uh, end of the year, uh, our top ten, right? Mm. Yeah, I you know it's 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 a big ask to watch like what an like a full two seasons of a show, but like I really do think that yes, like I Vinland Saga will definitely come up in the conversation. I think this year, like this is this is its time. Yeah, it's really um, good. 
yeah. Well, if uh, if we if we get another bad season in uh, summertime, maybe we'll have to catch up. <laughs> uh, I, somehow this season I have managed. I've finding myself watching like six shows or something, which I know, right? is a lot. Um, I usually don't watch more than like three, maybe four, and yeah. But uh, yeah, it'd be nice to get there at some point. All right. Okay. Let's talk about Oshinoko. Well, how about style requirements and expectations? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, this has been. I find it very funny that Aqua, from what you've told us, this show is in somewhat in response to Akakasaka's experience having his manga turned into a live action right. drama, and we immediately dive into a story about a manga getting turned into a live action drama uh, which uh, by the way is uh, as far as i know the same shoujo manga that is the subject of a joke in kaguya sama okay yeah i feel like that sounded familiar to me from somewhere like i was uh, yeah. i just did not do the, the, the research it's like, yeah. like a love touch that, scenario is, yeah like, yeah is that from the episode where like fucking ishigami is like Twisting himself into a pretzel to like deny that he's an otaku or whatever. Right. Yes. He's like, no, I don't. I don't read that manga. Well, okay, I guess I do because you know it's in the magazine that I. Yeah. <laughs> I get uh-huh. it or whatever. Yeah. Um, yes, that is the one. And also, uh, the actress girl who shows up in the latest episode of Hoshinoko, uh, Frill Shiranui. I think she is also uh, re- referenced in... Uh, Frill? Yes. I mean, it's a stage name, right? Oh, okay. Uh, which is also re- is also referenced in Kaguya-sama. Oh, okay. that I didn't catch. Yeah. Well... So, it's just funny to me sh- that uh, we, we <laughs> dive right into that immediately, and uh, perhaps not so kind things to say, because that is, again... The number one purpose of Oshinoko is to be critical of the uh, the Japanese entertainment Japanese industry. Japanese entertainment industry, yeah. And uh, that's sure what they dive right into, because this show is hot garbage, uh, apparently. Uh, being marred by, uh, you know, directors only caring about propping up, uh, you know, the latest, you know, pretty boy. Hot, yeah. Hot, hot model guy who can't act, but he's pretty and we have to promote him, so. Yeah, and you know, like, it's a finished manga, so, like, there's no point in, like, really putting in any effort because, like. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no product to sell here anyway, so. Yes. <laughs> it's just a vehicle for the actors. Uh, and it's, it's It sounds very cynical, but I'm sure it's very realistic, right? Like, this is, yeah. this is like money. Yeah. This is a money-making machine, Yeah, I mean, right? we're, after this on the list is Tokusatsu, which just does that all shit all the time. Right. Yeah. So, But the um, thing is, like, what I do like about this is that the, the directors and producers of that show, or of, like, the show in the show, right, are not necessarily portrayed as, like, malicious people or people who have, like, who don't know what real art is. They're, they're still doing like, the. They're yeah, doing we're the just best doing they can. their jobs. They're doing, they're doing the doing best our, they can, yes, yes. right? They are, they are doing our jobs, right? Like and they're when... working with what they got. Yeah, I think to the show's credit, I'm not sure if people will agree with me on this, but I, I, I think it's fairly obvious, at least in my interpretation. Also, knowing the rest of the manga, is that like. Aqua is not necessarily being portrayed as being in the right here. Like, he talks as if 
he knows everything about what real art and what real stardom is like and like all these posers you know they 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 don't know anything and like oh i she she was a real idol and everyone else is just a pretender but like what we know about I is that she was like someone who was in a way talented, but she was absolutely not the, this like she was faking specimen. it too. Right, she was yeah. faking it too. She was not, you know, the the super goddess that Aqua mm-hmm. props her up to be. Right, right? this guy had just I... simped so hard that he yeah her as her child. Like, right, it's I mean, not exactly right, so... objective of, on the matter. Right, so so this is where I'm gonna say, all right. Aqua, I, I'm going to assume you're speaking from, like, foreknowledge you have about... Oh, boy, this is going to get confusing. About I'm, gonna, I'm just going to refer to him as Aquamarine. Going Aquamarine, forward, yes. Make this less confusing for this podcast. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm going to assume you're speaking about with foreknowledge about Aquamarine's characterization and his portrayal. Because, because he's an insufferable prick, right? Like- yeah, because I'm going to say <laughs> Aquamarine is really the make or break point for this show for me personally. Like, yeah. it did not really hit me in the first episode because I guess he was a... I mean, yes, he was an adult, but he was in the body of a dumb baby, and so yeah. it did not really bother me that he talked like a fucking prick. But like now that he is an annoying high schooler, I'm like, God damn it, I can't stand this dude. Like, yeah, I, Aqua, yeah, do Aqua, not care for him as a as a protagonist. Yeah, your your, right, your right. interpretation, yeah, your interpretation based based on what we what we've seen in the anime so anime so far. I was not getting those vibes at all. Like, yeah, he still right. feels I feel like Aquamarine is portrayed as in the right in the anime, at least so far. He feels he feels like, and I'm going to preface my comments on the show because I feel I feel like a lot of this is going to come down to my personal preference, mm-hmm. and not necessarily that the show is bad. But he is a type of character that I've grown to really hate, where he feels oh, like right. this, he, he, he feels like, like the super anime smart person, yes. anime smart guy that that's one <laughs> step ahead of everybody. Yeah, and you know he he you know manipulates the scene because he knows how to psychologically manipulate the dumb pretty boy actor, and you know he's and I just, I really don't right like like if we want if we if we want to use a direct comparison, for example, the reason why Shirogane works in Kaguya-sama is because despite all the talk you hear about his about his intelligence and talent, the man has the emotional intelligence of a rock, and like yes. is like hilariously bad at like extremely basic tasks, right? Like right. singing and and dancing and. Rapping. Rapping, (laughs) yes. And so I think that's the thing, right, is like, in a lot of ways, Shirogane almost felt like an intentional poking at that trope. Right mm-hmm, of like, mm-hmm. here's your hyper competent cool yeah, guy, but actually like, he's a complete like Yagami guy. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah Whereas yeah. I feel like Aquamarine is almost at least right now, again, based right. on the like three, four episodes we've seen, feels like an unironic execution I mean, of that character trope. Which that's, I, I will. So is this is this like a difference in adaptation type thing? No, or? no, not necessarily. Because I I share all of your concerns, and I also cannot you know, with certainty say, oh, he gets better. Like, (laughs) no, no, because even like 100 chapters into the manga, it is still not entirely clear whether, as we have been discussing, Aquamarine is supposed to be like a pretentious asshole or 
oh, the super smart, brilliant manipulator. And like, and occasionally his manipulations have consequences. And but then occasionally he's also in the right. And it it I'm not he he it's it's odd because he. I get the feeling, and you also already see that in these episodes where you see the seeds of that. It's like that. I think the manga is trying to have its cake and eat it too, as in like it's pointing at him and being like, "Get a load of this guy," but also he's pretty cool, right? And it will occasionally pay lip service to the fact that the way he does things is patently ridiculous. So, but on the other hand, he is not what I would call a satire of that anime character, of that archetype. Hmm. He is that archetype. Like, he, he is the the brooding, uh, the, the brooding manipulator who's always one step ahead of everyone. And if the chickens are really going to come home to roost to him on that, it certainly hasn't happened yet. Like... The, the only thing I would um, kind of say in support of that is, and this is probably one of my like favorite aspects of these two episodes is when he, when we do get into like the, the, the few and far between moments where we get back into the murder mystery aspect mm-hmm. of this, um, we kind of see his, like how obsessive and like kind of crazy right. he is about this. Like when it was right. like, the, like the unlocking the phone thing. Uh, <laughs> where where like, he you know spent years trying different numbers yeah. to find the password. Uh, but the and... thing is, like, yeah, this show was set up as a murder mystery. It's not that like. It's yeah, well, I was going to get to that. It yeah, is predominantly that's... a critique of the entertainment industry. That's and my like, other. Occasionally, the the murder mystery will be a hook that will get them from one corner of the industry to another one. Yeah, so that's like, kind of my oh, other... I, I was in a play once, so this producer of plays may be my father, so let's audition for a play, and then there'll be a whole arc about how hmm. the theater industry is fucked, and then... <laughs> the toppers like... <laughs> of the reviews out to kill you. Yeah, yeah. So that's my other thing that I also feel like comes down to maybe personal preference here, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I was hoping that there'd be more of a balance between those two things. Like, again, I understand Mm -hmm. what we're here for. This is primarily more than anything supposed to be the critique of the. Right. But I mean, I feel like shows detriment and to, and to your credit, like the show has taken a pretty damn long time to get where it wants to be. Right. Yeah. So like these two on the way there, it has been a gazillion other things and I can't blame anyone for wanting it to have been one of those things. Right. Yeah. Cause so like these, these last two episodes primarily focus on obviously the the drama, the you know uh, Aqua Aquamarine joining the drama primarily because we we run back into um, what's her name Kana Kana Arima the, best character the the, uh, <laughs> the 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 child actress that he met years ago who's kind of become a bit washed up and she's working she's slumming it in this awful drama right mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the episode is just like long monologues about acting and I'm like, you know, from her or whoever. And I'm like, I, I don't like this. <laughs> and, and, and it's not that it's necessarily bad. And, and I, I'm sure there are people who were, were like kind of more interested in that than I am. But like, mm-hmm. it's like, I, it's, I got sucked into this show from 
the first movie episode, whatever we want to call mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. because that was such a like a like emotional, intense sort of experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've gone from that to, you know, long monologues <laughs> about good and bad acting. And I'm like, right. okay, what if. You ever y'all you ever, you ever have a situation where your first episode was too good? Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's that. I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Because that's like I've 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 said this before, right? I am up to date with the Oshinoko manga, but I don't know if it's good. But it certainly is interesting because whenever you think it's stagnating. With the navel gazing entertainment industry critique, it will do something like shocking, or it will have like a, a comedy chapter that is something straight out of Kaguya-sama, or it will introduce an interesting character, or it will have like an, a fascinating insight on a topical issue. And it feels very like stream of consciousness almost. Like, this manga is clearly like Aka Akasaka's like I'll just do whatever. His, his like outlet to like his outlet to comment on current affairs. Like his the, the the place where he will use jokes that don't fit into Kageya sama. The like I'll, I'll, I'll the, the, it's 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 his whatever. It's where he throws things at the wall and see what sticks, right? And sometimes that is like puerile oh, I'm so much smarter than everyone else and this industry is rotten to the core and then we're all just liars wearing masks. And occasionally that's <laughs> like, here's a baby doing the idol dance. Like, yeah, it's a very strange property, but I, I, I appreciate it for existing. Like, yeah, I, I, I and I do... Uh, that is kind of what I want to hear, and that I hope there are more big shakeups on the horizon. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if we stayed on our current pace for another couple episodes, right. I would start. I, you'd start to lose me here. But, like the, um, the up, I quite like the upcoming arc, but it is very much like my shit. Like it is like sort of dark psychological stuff. Like. That 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 touches upon scum's wish type scum's wish like real flowers real, of evil. Not 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 necessarily, but it like it's like it feels like for the first time the the Oshinoko actually like touches upon its themes of like the 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 difficulties of celebrity and the responsibility that the industry has in mm. protecting its stars from those consequences right is there um is there like a clear stopping point for a season one like i mean it's an arc based manga but i would be surprised that with the current uh pacing they would stop at the end of that arc Hmm. so it will probably be like that arc and then a bit of spinning its wheels but I'm not sure they can do the arc after that. But yeah. I mean, this thing already has season two. I mean, it's not announced yet, but this thing will get a second season because it's enormously popular. So, right. like, yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah, 
I don't know. Like even even just like as I'm thinking about it, like in the first episode, even even if it was just like the concept of like an idol having to balance having two secret children. Like even that's more interesting to me than right, like right. acting uh you know acting stuff. Yeah, like but... I said, this show has been a gazillion things on its way to getting where it wants to be and I cannot fault anyone for wanting to have it to have yeah. been one of those things instead. But I, I mean I, I do agree with you too Aqua. I, I appreciate mm. the I mean they're doing they're trying stuff, right? Like <laughs> I mean this but... all has to come with the with the with with the disclaimer that I'm a dumb edgy theater kid so this stuff is catnip for me, but I can totally understand while other people are like Oh yeah. my god, it's just acting, you know, behave yeah. like a normal person. <laughs> G, did you have any anything you want else you wanted to add on it from your uh, uh... not particular. I mean, I guess I do want to make it clear, right? I mean, I am still watching this show and I I think I'm still broadly interested in wanting to see where it goes. Uh, you know, so I think if 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 if, if at least the way Jell and I are talking, I mean, mm sounds like particularly critical i think it is more just due to how how strong it starts <laughs> right well, like and yeah. also because as, like, as i was joking you you know sometimes you could have a first episode that's too good right <laughs> yeah i mean fair um, fair definitely but also like these last couple of episodes have been fairly aquamarine centric and yes he is just you know that character and you need to have a tolerance for him and like if there's anything this has in common with Kaguya-sama is that it does character like development relatively well or at least you get a cool a good insight into the characters except for maybe Aqua who is just mm. that guy but like the other there's other characters who get some like fun interesting stuff to do especially Kana like I said she was the best character and I stand by it like yeah she gets some fun stuff to do because I just like cynical bitter assholes and that's what yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming they're gonna get back to like ruby's story and all that too so like there's uh, other things. ruby being out of focus is kind of a running joke like oh okay. she's, she's, the, twin. she's yeah. the comic relief for most like she hasn't she's become more prominent in the plot only recently in the manga huh. but like mm. she's mostly there for the like more light-hearted bits like she gets her focus but it's like she's she's your forger you know they only cart her out to do like goofy oh, no. bits oh no um <laughs> the, the, the curse the jump yeah. curse the jump female character curse well i'll stick with this now i i feel like i'm hanging more on to the like right now i'm sticking with it on the potential more than me right in the past couple of episodes which oh, is a dangerous yeah, place to be, but you know we'll see to, we'll see to quote the great philosopher zig i would rather have a show that is interesting than a show that is boring <laughs> yes of course right <laughs> all right well all right let's uh nah. take an anime break here Speaking of shows that are interesting Toku time Toku time Let's take a tokusatsu <laughs> break. What do, what do we got uh, going on these days? Oh my goodness! The... I mean, we haven't checked, we haven't checked in with Geats in a long time. Uh, yes. They, so Geats, Connor uh, Geats' whole setup is you know they're finding some interdimensional battle royale reality show for uh, four dimensional beings or whatever who mm-hmm. uh, 
are from the future and you know are observing this entertainment in in much the same way we would enjoy like i don't know a pirate movie or a kung fu movie or something right right uh, but the thing is like the show has done various arcs that are distinctly different seasons of this reality of, show of the desire grand prix yeah. right so like every like nine episodes will be like a single season and at the end there is a winner and the winner gets to make a wish to essentially like rewrite the world and that becomes the setting for the next season of the desire grand prix but yeah. the desire grand prix has a bit of a problem because for the past 2000 years the same dude has been winning and that dude is common rider geats <laughs> yes uh through multiple like loops of this reality show and through um the villains getting their hands on like the control buttons basically so that like they make a season where their their job is to just kill everything uh and the heroes have to just stop them uh they hijack the show, basically. Yeah. Like, and, because uh, Kamarada yeah, Geats... Are... Go ahead. No, because there are, like, sponsors from the... Like, the in the audience, there are sponsors. And, like, all the different contestants have a sponsor who will, like, buy cool power-ups for them to use in the in the mm-hmm. game. Yep. But Wearing there is also... Favorite right. But there is also a hilariously evil goth GF who is a sponsor of the, like, NPC monsters... And she manages to steal the control buttons, as Iro said, and basically, you know, turn the show on its head where the NPC monsters become the participants and the common riders become mm-hmm. the disposable, like, bait. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, the plot is sort of trended into a, like, maybe the, this entire construct is bad in the first place. <laughs> Because it sort of just facilitates a bunch of evil shit, mm-hmm. um, and there are victims, and people lose their memories, and it's very yeah. easily exploitable, and it's very obvious that these people from the future do not see the participants in the show as fully human, because they are from the past, so they can freely affect the past however they want. And it's not won't really us. have yeah. yeah repercussions or anything, and they do some interesting things with that. I mean, this is a Taku show, so it's always kind of falling apart as it goes along. Mm-hmm. But this show has been doing a pretty good job at using interesting twists and interesting spins on the formula to keep itself going. Right. Right. What I probably what I thought was most uh, intriguing was uh, because people who make a wish they can rewrite reality, and they have implied a, a few times that people have used the wish to like get children uh, when mm-hmm. they couldn't previously and stuff like that. Uh, and so, one character who is the like the girl, the main girl in the cast, who's a streamer. Uh, Part of her backstory is that she was kidnapped uh, when she was very young, and that's why, like, her parents are way overprotective of her now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she's and, also, like, an heiress of a rich conglomerate. Like yes. This. And uh, to it is revealed that uh, when uh, that girl was kidnapped, that girl was killed by that kidnapper uh, ten years <laughs> ago or whatever. And what we her parents... 
on screen body bag containing the dead body of a child being loaded into a uh-huh. ambulance and, in uh, this kids show. Right, and so like you think it's just gonna be like, oh, and so they wished to bring her back to life, and so she's like a you know revived person. But no, they explain that uh, her father was like, well, I'll never, I won't be able to love a fake daughter now that I know she's dead in the same way. So what I'll do is I'll wish for a better, perfect daughter who will be a better <laughs> heir to my conglomerate uh, uh, to take her place. Yeah. That always works. Uh, yeah. And so that happens. She you know, has to confront that being a construct, right? Basically. Mm-hmm. Not even like a real person. Uh, but they do other interesting things. Like at some point, of course, our main common writer gets his cool power up. That allows right. him to defeat the villain, but instead of it being like a dumb Deus Ex Machina, where it's like, oh, the power of his conviction gives him a new toy, it, instead it's, it's it like is literally. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the thing is like he gets it randomly, and everyone is like, where does that where does that thing come from? And like, it turns out that like five hundred years ago, when he won the desire grampy one of the many times when he uh, he won he wished for like if i ever get in trouble in the future <laughs> please send me a cool power up oh, <laughs> right yeah uh, geets is revealed to be like every car- reincarnated person he's lived for 2000 years every right, time he dies he you know will eventually come back to life and because his very first wish was to always allow me to participate in the Desire Grand Prix. Anytime he, you know, is reborn, he participates in the Desire Grand Prix again. Yep. Uh, there's a non-zero chance he's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> let's I mean, let's nice. go. Let's go over the evidence. Uh, his mother is a goddess. Uh, he is two thousand years old. Uh, he was uh, he was alive during the time of the Romans, which is very funny because they dress a bunch of like Japanese idols up in Roman centurion gear. Um, he was conceived via immaculate conception. He, he is a cross. very powerful and cannot die. And there is a very likely chance that he might end up on a cross because that's a common rider staple. <laughs> well, I mean, I just I think it's fun. I think it's funny. <laughs> to keep saying, you know, Ge- Comrade Geats, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, yeah, he, he is. He is my Jesus in any case. I'm. Yeah, it's we're like t- two thirds to three fourths through that show now. Yeah, um, yeah. The current situation is the angry man, the angry. The edgy, yeah, yeah rival the, like, the like edgelord yeah. rival uh, has gotten his hands on the, the controls and he said I'm making it a true blue battle royale where I'm going to hunt down all of you other con writers and kill you all because I think you suck uh, his whole and goal is not to, wrong yeah his whole goal <laughs> is to tear down the system right and like mm-hmm. doesn't he doesn't care who gets in his way mm-hmm. as long as you're a common writer he'll kill you yep until he's the last common rider, and then he'll probably kill himself or something. Yep, that makes sense. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, that's like they keep finding interesting twists and and like fun little details, and they they seem to know what the audience wants, which is pretty good. Also, the action choreography has been really rather good. Like compared to the past few, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do some cool like gun kata. They do some cool. 
flips and kung fu shit and like practical effects. They finally know how to use that dumb GoPro they bought a couple of years ago <laughs> to do like cool things like they slap it onto someone's sword and then film sword cam and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, so, yeah. the image quality is absolutely atrocious, but that's Taku <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, yeah. Baby. So this is a good common writer? I no. so far, yeah. Compared to the past few, which were like I think garbage tru- truly miserable. Um Kamara <laughs> yes. Saber and Kamara Revice were just interminable, right? Uh hated that shit. The thing is, Common Rider has been changing a lot in recent years because it simply isn't popular enough to maintain the formula. And the formula is Monster of the Week. Uh, The thing is, they don't have money anymore to make a new monster every week. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the recent shows have been switching to, yo, what if we just put all of our monster budget into making more Kamen Rider characters and we'll just have them fight each other? Because that way we can sell more toys because monsters don't sell toys, but Kamen Riders do, right? And these... Last two shows, Saber and Revise, had a bunch of like hackneyed excuses to make the, the same people fight each other over and over and over again. Whereas Here this show least, had the yeah. brilliant idea of, yo, let's make that the premise of the show. So, right. Like, Create an actual premise where they, were, yeah. they are fighting each other. Well, yeah, uh, I think it's been good so far. Uh, I don't think it's been like transcendent or anything. No, uh, it's, it's a bit messy like they're all they've all been such a mess right yes uh, that's the thing right these are 52 episode shows that are written on the fly that are made on a very tight schedule whenever mm-hmm. an actor is like hey i got the deal to be in this other show they have to write him out of the show like it's yeah. it's it's essentially fiction or it's like it's speculative fiction written as if it's a soap opera. <laughs> like that's, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily talking about the style, even though it's stylistically very close to soap opera as well. But mostly like behind the scenes, how it is produced. You know, it's yeah. it's it's much tighter, much like chasing chasing its own trends, trying to fix its own like the response to the, the things problems that, it's made yeah. by not yeah, being planned yeah. out. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah. So if common writer is good, does that mean Super Sentai has to be bad? Usually, Super yeah, Sentai. That's, you know, that's the real question here. That's the rule. That's usually the rule. I'm right. very interested in uh, Royal Sentai King Oger, which is the current area in Super Sentai, right. because it's so different, different. from yes. other Sentai. Like, uh, it Did doesn't take place on Earth or something. It doesn't take place on Earth, right? Like, they're in a they're on another Planet? world, and yeah, so it's yeah. all. There's a lot of um, there's a lot more green screen and stuff. And what they're doing is, you know, the uh, like late newer Star Wars stuff. They have that like set around green screen set. Yeah. yeah, it's not a wrap. It's not even a wrap around green screen. It's just a wrap around monitor, right? Right, right. Instead of a green screen, and so they're using very similar stuff for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do a lot of crazy backgrounds and shit. Allegedly, the show costs a million yen per episode, <laughs> uh. which uh, which I don't believe. But it's, I mean, it's it allows the show to be way more ambitious. It doesn't necessarily look better 
then it would uh, if if they just worked with sets. No, I, I mean, think it, it looks significantly it worse. Looks like ass. Yeah, but but it does allow them to do crazy things because usually, like when you have a Super Sentai show that is set in space. Like, they will have, like, a spaceship set, and then in, like, episode 5, they'll be like, oops, we crash-landed on Earth, and now everything mm -hmm. that happens takes place in, like, the same Tokyo. five locations in Tokyo where everything in Toku happens. <laughs> but, like, this, now they can actually, like, have different settings and, like, fantastical realms and, 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 and weird places where this, this action can take place. So, yeah. it changes the show with it and that whereas sentai for the last 15 years has basically been an ensemble comedy like there's a goofy monster that does something silly like i don't know switch people's bodies or replace all of the chicken in the world with salmon or steal or birthdays whatever, yeah. or yeah <laughs> and then shenanigans occur and in the end they fight the monster this seems to be like a genuine attempt at like making a continuous plot like high, fan thriller, high fantasy yeah. thriller. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like the main character because they're all the rangers are kings of their own little realms. Mm -hmm. They're all the the sovereigns of their own realms, and they're they're kind of at each other's throats because the current red king, who, this asshole red king, is like, I'm not renewing our mutual. Uh, protection pact because I want to have control over the Megazord. Right. And they're all like, well, screw you. Uh, and so the actual Red Ranger who appears, who is like the long lost prince of the Red Kingdom and he has the power he also has the like royal authority to control the Megazord and he just wants to like oust the Red King mm -hmm. because he's like, this guy's an asshole, we should get rid of him. Right, but he becomes this pawn in this right, political and so chess all game the other, these other characters are like, oh, "Well, we can move this guy around because he controls the Megazord and use him mm -hmm. for our own ill-gotten gains for various." Purposes. All the while, while there are monsters that are trying right. to destroy the world. Yeah, but yeah, it's like surprisingly low on silly episodic shenanigans, and it's like straight up just like arc plots, like pres like. Like drama show, like things I mean, happening, I, I, and and I mean that concept in a, another setting would sound very interesting to me. Right. But I'm assuming at the end of the day, this is still a kid show, right? So oh like, yeah, and it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it can be it can be surprisingly like weighty in like the dialogue and the. I mean, <laughs> compared to <laughs> other Sentai, grading on a curve, right? Grading on a curve, but the thing is, like, this is. Even I sometimes struggle to entirely know what's going on and what people's motivations are. And that certainly is, you know, like you could have a character who's like playing both sides. And in this show, they will not look into the camera and say, I am playing both sides. Like, right. They will just have like, <laughs> you will just have seen them make their machinations. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Kids these days are just ready for some political drama. I know, I guess. right? Uh, but yeah, the thing is, like, hmm. yeah, there's still some of that, like, fun, colorful Sentai comedy in there. Like, they have a fun cast of 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 characters. Like, the Blue Ranger is the the, oh, the, right. king, the delinquent the king, tech bro. Yeah, the king of delinquent gamer land. They're all like, you know, they're, you know, like traditional 
Japanese delinquents, but they're also all gamers and hackers. So whenever they start infighting, they have hacker duels. So they will both like take out a laptop and start like pressing buttons as they comb their pompadours. And so, right. Uh, <laughs> very, I mean, uh, yeah. very good. I'm and then, like, curious how the show will pan out because yeah. it's, it is just so different from a normal a quote-unquote normal yeah. sentai yeah. and i mean sentai has been in a more precarious position than common writer right uh, because it doesn't have wise. the iconic uh the like because we know power rangers but in japan common rider is way more has way more cultural cachet than super sentai right yeah so yeah i don't know it's it hasn't I mean, been bad like... so far. It's been interesting. It hasn't been like particular. I wouldn't. It, it's not been one that's like grabbed me instantly. Yeah. I think. But, uh, but the robot fights are good because they have more than one set. Like they have like true. cool robot sets for all of the different kingdoms with like tiny buildings that they can trash, which yeah. is fun. We we complained several years ago about uh, Ryu Soldier uh, because the directing was really good, but then the writing was very dull. Bad. Yeah, and this show has the same director as that, but a writer who is more, a more competent, writer, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but it's we'll very see. funny because at this point, we're like cheering whenever they go to a quarry. <laughs> oh, now <laughs> you missed. Like, it's like oh, finally now you missed the quarry. Right. Yeah, finally yeah. a fucking on location shoot. <laughs> Grass is always just, greener, huh? Yeah, just like Star yeah. Wars, right, everybody? Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Uh, well. God. Yeah. Sounds shout like... out! Shout out to the Purple Ranger, uh, mm-hmm. Millennial Ranger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Their whole thing is like that. They're the the judge of all the realms, but they hate their job, and so they sometimes will just start screaming randomly because they're so frustrated yeah. and roll around on the floor so be being work. depressed. Yeah. Same. Uh, Same. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. All right. We're, yeah. We're only a few episodes in and sentai is always a long haul so yeah we will we'll see check in going again going in another next, three months <laughs> yeah, next, next time we have a, a to see if they still have enough money to do all the realms or if they have crash landed on earth at this point yeah we'll find out <laughs> to, to i, I could have sworn what happened by now yeah to bring it full circle uh Honkai Star Rail is the first time I've ever seen the word tokusatsu spoken in an English localized oh, wow. game. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, Alrighty. Okay. So every time we've uh, started one of these podcast episodes this season, there's a fire that starts burning inside of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, every every minute that goes by that I'm not talking about Birdie Wing Golf Girl story, I get more and more... Uh, more and more fired up, more and more tense. I can't hold back anymore. And we gotta, we gotta talk about Birdie Wing. Um, oh hell yeah, we do the Venus line. Let, let me, uh, let me, let me just start before we get into the details and say that I enjoyed our time in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I think it was a valuable addition to the show. Yeah, I'm glad it happened. However, mm-hmm. our time, our time in Defresse, it just hits different. <laughs> we've been yeah. here for like an episode and a half and yeah i don't want to leave it, anymore it hits different um so as as we as we knew was going to happen uh 
I guess Eve doesn't technically get deported, uh, but uh, the the golf Zaibatsu uh, forcibly yes. uh, brings her to the airport her. and forces she's her like, to She's like, you're deported, and she's like, no, I'm not, and then she still leaves. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so uh, Eve goes back to Nefrese, and she... Uh, I guess goes to visit her mother's grave and now that she remembers who her mother is where she runs into her old family butler, the Burton family butler. Don't and... forget that she plays, pays a visit to her weird uh, aunt who's gone really into healing stones all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, don't forget the yeah. pair is back. You know? Back. Yes, be, the uh, pair... She's, she's here to be uh, Eve's chauffeur now that they're back mm-hmm. and she's yes. back in the fresco. Uh, happy, happy housewife of pair who is now the most, wearing... The most unhinged character in the show has become the most hinged. Who is now Somehow. wearing sensible clothing and shacked up with her man on, on the yacht. Uh, somehow <laughs> yeah. comes out of retirement to help help Eve get around. Yep. And uh, it but, uh... This, this leads to... This leads to Eve... Uh, you know, once she meets the old butler guy, getting going to her grandfather, the head of the Burton family's house, in the, the problem. What a, I mean, in our, in the discussion for one of the best scenes of this uh, of this. Right, well, I mean, the, the the important thing to establish here, right, is we find out that not only were not only was Eve's mom, you know, uh, the Burton family, like important, that they were. Uh, the 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 family behind the de facto number one European golf uh-huh. brand, right? Yes, and Arios, right? Arios. It, yes, it, it, I was about to direct. say fucking Ionios, and I was like, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so so. This makes this not this is so so now. This makes even our situation not just like star-crossed lovers on the like no, not Mafia versus Yakuza. Exactly right, because we also find out that the Burton families are also the most powerful golf mafia in Europe. Yes. Yep. More powerful than the uh, the mafia that is currently after Eve. The nameless yes. golf mafia. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. she she decides to cash in some chips and heads to Grandpa's house, where she literally <laughs> just walks. Walk Grandpa's the on the yes. Gr- Grandpa's on the golf course, and she just walks out of the bushes with her clubs and is like, "Shut up, you horny old man!" and and uh, starts right. Playing What's important golf. to establish here is that apparently, like, c- compensated golf dating is just a totally normal pastime for the wealthy and the fresse. Yeah, yes, right. and and Grandpa's playing with uh, some top uh, lady the player top, or something. The number eight golfer in Europe. Uh-huh. Yes. And uh, she interrupts to uh, basically enlist his help to uh, become a pro golfer so that she can get back to Aoi. And it, it's all very good. I mean, Eve has so much big dick energy in this, uh, <laughs> for lack of a she better term. These two episodes just dunking on everyone. <laughs> and, the, and these two episodes, like the most like Giga Chad, uh, whatever. But... Right, I mean, it's, it's that reminder, right? That like Eve, like. I didn't smash. Yeah, I mean, well, she just has a natural knack for, like, dominating the spaces she's in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like this has always been who she is at her best, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and what makes it so delightful is that she is all too aware of it, yes. right? Like, like... You know, all, all the, like, all the, like, low-key, like negging that he uh-huh. does to everybody around low her <laughs> you're right you're right it's not even low-key right you know it's like it's like when she meets Vipair for the f- first time you know when she's there to pick her up from the airport right and Eve's just straight up like 
who are you again? I don't even remember you, right? And the pair is like, are you fucking for real? And Eve's I mean, like, she did ah, call sorry. her, yes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And and like, you know, Eve instantly has this response, ah, shit, it's just because you look so much better now. Shit, yeah, I didn't even recognize <laughs> uh-huh. you. Mm-hmm. And Pear is yeah. like, all right, get in the car. And Eve's like, God, she's still too easy. All, <laughs> just total... Forgetting everybody's name as a power move, you know. Yeah, exer- that's right. Exerting, exerting dominance. You There's know, only uh, one name in her heart. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. And we, then, of course, we have the second set of episode here. Uh, the second episode of these two, right? Where basically she meets up with her grandpa, and her grandpa's like, "Now I could use my golf mafia influence to call off the hit on you, <laughs> but I won't. You need to prove." yourself you right and which of course gives us yourself the, yeah which of course gives us you know the amazing line are you willing to risk your <laughs> life for golf to which he yes. replies what a dumb question <laughs> yes oh save that screen cap of uh grandpa the most saying that. self-evident thing you know just like you know I, i'm looking at grandpa burton here and i'm like you gotta you gotta keep up with the program man like eve was right. putting her line, uh, she's putting her life on the line for golf since like episode one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The that ultimate leads us... goal for both of our lives are on the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that second episode where you know Eve basically goes back to uh, was it Catherine, the head of the Catherine? Yeah, yes. The... Oh yeah, and... and Catherine has just gone full like psycho. Mode. Yes, yeah. like all these fucking shots of just like Catherine's like unhinged faces when she pulls out the fucking piece. Yeah, about to, and about most to importantly, in the face. Most importantly, Eva uh, calls in her caddy. Uh, yes, yes. rider dies. Saotome, yep. uh, who drops everything to go, uh, you know, go follow Eve to fight the golf mafia without questioning anything. Right? She's she's uh, like, I'll be your caddy for life. We also yes. get the we also get that amazing dialogue where she tenders her resignation to uh, Amaro, yep. Coach Amaro. Right. Um, and just saying the most ridiculous dialogue that's just so mm, chef's kiss. But also the whole thing where she's like, "I didn't sign up for underground golf. What the hell is going on?" And then five minutes later, she's like, "Oh yes, well she's using magic sand to <laughs> ah the old sand trick." Yeah, yes. and she's <laughs> like, "It's real hard to see if you haven't seen it before." It's like, what yes, is she's this? an expert. Yeah. Also, also, God, I almost forgot. Right, related to her tendering her resignation, resignation to Coach Amaro. Right. Once again, we just get the throwaway letter. Amaro is like, "Do we even speak another language than Japanese?" <laughs> and Ichin is like, "Yeah, don't worry. I, I learned English, and that's it. That's all." I you thought would be a pro, ca- pro caddy in America, the land of dolls. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, so she has. So uh, once again, Eve has to do a do has to do a one or one golf death match against Catherine's golfer yes. of choice, who is um, uh, what's her name, Ramelda, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, she is uh, supposedly the top of. She, no, no, not actually. She she's not only the top underground golfer; she's also the top overground golfer in America, yes. supposedly. And uh, yes, she she does she her. Fucking even, what does that match. even mean? Yeah. <laughs> Also, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because we see like the like that that black lady golfer in the OP, and uh-huh. she seems to be framed as the most powerful pro. But yeah, uh, yeah I think I, I don't think they said she was the top. She, she I think they said she was a pro golfer, but also the top. I don't know if they specify that she was the ah, top maybe pro you're golfer. right. Yeah, but anyways, uh, so you know, she's very again, good. What, is the point? Well, because yes. the, the important thing, right, is that Ramelda brings back the gimmicks, right? Like we cut to like her mind's eye where she sees herself as an operatic singer. 
right? Yes. That everything yes. she does is part of the theater, right? That she draws people into her performance, you yes. know, before, you mm. know, bringing the knife down on them, right? And uh, I still find it absolutely baffling about this show that all of the characters are so over the top, but their designs are just the most boring, plain thing ever. Except for Vipere, who looks like she's from a completely <laughs> different show. Vipere is the only golfer who looks like the type of freak show golfer yeah. that everybody in this show actually is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... As we've found out, once everybody gets stands, the people who don't have stands are going to lose. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, her- we also more importantly find out that Ramelda uh, tried the same trick against uh, Leo's new protege Aisha, right? right. And uh, was, was effortlessly destroyed. seen through. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, that's right. We did. We have the bit where she finds out she uh, she figures out that Eve was trained by Leo, and she's, she's like, like, "Oh, you no. need to double." You need to double my money, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, now this is all like it's it's very funny, right? Because like Leo is like that trick would never work against a real golfer. Like you're a fucking sham. Except then it is established that Ichina is the one who catches the trick, not Eve. Eve would have fallen for <laughs> yes, it. Yes, Eve would have definitely fallen for it. Yeah. Eve is the dumbest person on the planet. Like <laughs> so, like. Caddy's <laughs> part of the but, game. So by Leo's standards, yeah. is Eve also not a real culprit then? Yeah. Um, uh, no, but all of this is just uh, I, this this is this is like peak Birdie Wing, right? Like this yeah, is yeah, no, this is just totally off the rails, unhinged, like melodramatic. Stakes are high, life and death, golf, uh, and. I, yeah, just the- also we we finally see the last of the bullets, the indigo bullet, which uh, right as so, was yeah, as like was, for Aquaman. Yeah, as was <laughs> speculated, is the Aquaman slash Getter three of the bullets, right? <laughs> yeah. it is the water bullet. It is the skim it across the the. I, like, I, very goofy to have this. Yes, only shown after she's already locked like the ultimate rainbow. Yeah, shot. yeah, yeah, right. It's like oh shit, we forgot that rainbows have seven colors. Quick. Have- <laughs> Have we um you beeline to the end of the tech tree and now you're now you're researching writing look have we actually I, seen all the really wild thing right is like the indigo bullet is actually like the bullet that Eve has shown that is like maybe the most closely based on a real world golf shot <laughs> uh, aside from a, hit ball heart <laughs> I mean they uh, all like, like like I don't know if it's legal, but I have seen a video of somebody do the exact same thing Eve has done, which is that they have to cross a water trap, and so rather than try to go, like rather than try to cross the distance, they skim it across the surface of the water, right. and it totally fucking works. Yeah. Uh. Um. Have we seen all the bullets? That's seven now, right? That's seven, right? Uh, is it? Sh- I mean, shit. I mean, so we okay. Uh, hang on, we got we got the blue bullet is her her hit the ball far driver shot, right? Red bullet is like the chip shot to get out of the bunker that goes wait, no, straight isn't up in that, the air, right? Or, isn't that wait. red bullet? Oh, I thought that was yellow bullet. Okay, right? hold on. There was there was there's there's the deep birdie wing lore. There's the <laughs> screaming. There's the like rising red bullet or whatever, right? Yeah, that's red bullet. Or, the orange area, right? bullet is is now the same zone. Yeah, in the yeah. zone. Uh, yeah. Yellow bullet was for the sand trap. Okay. Right. Uh, okay. Green yeah. bullet is the putt. Is, is putting. Yep. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, okay. There are blue blue bullets. The drive. Right. Right. 
and it's then just we, hit we, hard, yeah. Yeah, and we, we got, got purple. We, got, we, got, we just got, we just got the indigo. Bullet. Yeah, and then the yeah, violet, the, the owie violet yeah, yeah. Uh, bullet, which was the like curve shot, right? The the slice, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then the rainbow the shot seven. as the yeah. ultimate uh, yes ability. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. What a very important. <laughs> What yeah, a, look, uh, you know, you, you need to explain your magic system. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so what? Where do where do we go from here? Or we're, I mean, we're still basically on track for the Eve's Golf Mafia versus right. Aoi's the next Golf episode Side Monster, looks right? to be a the next episode preview looked to be a um Aoi episode where she must you know level grind her new golf right, <laughs> right. Must master her new techniques. Right, She's I mean, what you know, we are, the we are what, 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 what we are really gathering here is that we have a show about two lesbians sponsored by different powerful conglomerates who must unlock their true potential in a great mm-hmm. final climactic battle, and the yes. other show is Gundam, the Witch from Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's uh. Yeah, so I, th- I think we'll be trading off a bit here. Yeah, yeah. So like, it, yeah, it does, it does look episode, like there's a neat episode, yes. so that they can converge at the final tournament or whatever, and uh, finally play each other for real, mm-hmm. and then they can kiss. Yeah, um, you know, Aoi <laughs> will win and get her kiss, her kiss you. Oh, they're gonna have to tie or something, right? Like they can't. I don't know because the, they they talked about like gold shining wings in the next episode preview and like the last shot of the. Uh, Opening of the OP, is yes. mysterious golfer with shining wings. So perhaps, yeah. who, knows? who knows? I mean, what if Eve wins, but Aoi still makes the same number of mistakes as her, so she still gets her kiss? Uh, you know, <laughs> sure, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, why the hell not? Good, good times. I I hope we do get some more golf mafia high drinks before we get back into. Whatever mega tournament, yeah. Out. I don't think Catherine's just gonna let it go. Yeah, she seems. I mean, there are uh, still a bunch of weird people in the OP we haven't seen yet. There's uh-huh. so many people we haven't <laughs> met yet. Uh, and and Eve's gonna have to have her showdown with uh, Aisha at some point, right? Or whatever. Right. So yeah, we have we have so many plot threads we have to uh, we'll have to touch on. So good times, good times, great show, so good. All right. Let's uh, move along and talk about Heavenly Delusion. Or yeah, a quick boy. breather in the middle here. Yeah, <laughs> Ten- Tengoku and Daimakyo for people looking for it on Hulu. Uh, my or my Disney watch- Plus, and you're in Europe. <laughs> or Disney Plus, and if you're in Europe, but yes, look for the Japanese name. Um, a, a quick note: watching it on Hulu, I found it very funny that they did not sub anything after the credits rolled. Uh, Whoops! Oh, the man. latest episode. Uh, so uh, I just kind of guessed on what was happening. Uh, <laughs> but like, but like the uh, definitely legal version that we're watching does have all that subtitled still. So yeah, maybe, maybe in, I don't know. Maybe something. Maybe right? something was not up with me watching it. I was watching it on the app, so maybe there was something not oh, working. Man, I don't yeah, know. The Glorio blog does not end, uh, endorse watching understandable versions of the shows you like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Voice the colors. I I, I could get into a whole other thing about how they're dealing with summertime rendering, but that's 
mm. we don't have time for that. So, anyway, how did, you know, so, that show got buried even worse than yeah. everything on Netflix. God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so these two episodes are kind of mainly concerned with Maru and, and, and Kiriko finally arriving at the other side of the Tokyo Bay. Uh, they've sort of found the the major settlement on in, in Tokyo here, which is, you know, kind of a shanty town situation, but they do have electricity, right? It's 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 kind of, mm-hmm. you know, your your standard post apocalyptic like, you know, this is what passes for civilization now. Yeah, um, I, I'll just say like, and this is something throughout the show that I really like. I just I just love that scene where they're showing just people doing like their normal everyday life. Like I, I love, I love when People you have post-apocalyptic. Like like. Yeah, I, lo- I love when you have like a post-apocalyptic story that still shows that you know, yes, people would get back to like living whatever life they can at some point, right? Like it's not right. like and not, not right. just like, a weird weed on. compound. Like. Yeah, right. So like it's it's just kind of cool when you explore that. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, I mean it, it people are still gonna. That, like, have fun and do things yeah. like they're not just going to sit right. around like you know waiting to die you know it's like they they will return to a form of society right like right. it's maybe a rougher society to be sure but like people will return to sort of a more regi- regimented style of living given enough time to recover from you know whatever it is that causes the apocalypse in in heavenly mm-hmm. delusion right. um doesn't stop Maru from getting into trouble anyways, though, right? Course, uh, he yeah. fucking beats the shit out of some dudes <laughs> in the first of these two episodes. Because, uh, you know, they, they, they interrupted his game, man. He was playing uh, Dragon Quest on the arcade. Yeah, which, I don't know how that works, but... Yeah. Like is it just like a is it just like a, there's an NES like board like built into that like fucking well, arcade? It's a is Mr. It one of those, Core, like, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, it's a Mr. Core. It's a fake arcade machine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, dude was just you know down bad trying to figure out if he's gay and uh yeah you know <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that at that for now since i know aqua yeah. just started uh watching you know, you see, look he's working through some stuff right you know working like, through we some sort stuff, of left yeah. we, we we sort of left some of those reveals you know at a at a at a at a at a at a at a, at a stopping point in the previous episodes but, um, yeah yeah but but yeah, and, and and so basically, it's kind of like the the first of these two episodes is like, a it's trying to figure out where to go next, right? Which is what leads to Kiriko mm-hmm. purchasing a map to find out that you know just get a feel for the surroundings, right? We find out that there are multiple locations that they could potentially visit, right? They find out about um, you know, they they find out about some community that is supposedly you know hosting you know a a, a much uh, vaunted mm-hmm. a, a a legendary doctor, and we know that Kiriko is looking. For a doctor, um, yes. For, for a doctor, doctor uh, to explain uh, their mm-hmm. particular circumstances. Um, and, you know, also, you know, their sources of water, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we, we kind of also... 100% like, clean water. <laughs> yes. I guess if there's anything that is kind of the focus of these two episodes, right, it is mainly kind of continuing to, like, showcase the bond that Maru and Kiriko show, right? Like, that... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though yeah. ostensibly Maru is Kiriko's client, right? That she is a bodyguard for him. That the two really do share a pretty close bond friends. at this yeah. point, right? That they they care particularly strongly for each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know we we get a little bit of Maru's backstory as well. You know we find out that he was you know basically part of a chain gang uh, until he was uh, rescued by uh, his former ward uh, before. Right. Who who gave uh, Kiriko the the. The, the ray gun, right? Yes, the laser gun and taught Maru how to do uh, the Maru touch slash fatal dive. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, oh man, that, that's that's the other thing. Like, I just I kind of backing up my point of like these episodes are kind of funny. Like they're, they're yeah, they're, I mean they're pretty silly in a lot of, like a lot of it, and it's like mm-hmm. again that having fun in the post apocalypse is a thing. I uh, I mean if, I enjoy. if you ignore if you ignore the dead kids, uh, Heavenly Delusion is a pretty yes. funny anime. Oh, there's a lot of like really. Yeah. <laughs> really messed up things going on also but just yeah, right Be- because yeah. the uh we also get the uh we also we get the facility right where yes, tario is n- not having a no good very bad day yes right? the black yeah. scrawl is progressing right the mysterious disease that has afflicted uh at least one of the children at the facility mm-hmm. and um yeah, I, oh I, think, my God. I think again. Sorry, sorry. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm tapping through that episode. This episode as we're talking about it, and I, I, uh-huh. I, I think clicked uh-huh. for me that the, uh-huh. after a reveal yeah. in the next yeah. episode, I'm like, oh, yeah? oh yeah, oh my God, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, things, things are happening oh, at the facility. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. We get some, some progression on uh. whatever's going on there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps going in directions we might not uh, have been expecting right. um and uh, yeah. you know I, I i was just saying on the break you know beyond that it's like i feel like it's hard to talk about the show because yes it's one it's the spoilers and you don't i i feel like i don't want to just recap all the like things that happened but also like so much of this show that i'm enjoying is like the mood and the experience like you know we talk about how animation wise it looks fantastic and everything and just the vibes man a lot of it is vibes that i yeah i I mean it's it's why i actually really like the second of these two episodes which Mm -hmm. like i've i've already seen some people like get out there and be like it's a little weird to have filler episodes this early and it's like i would not call it a filler episode right like exactly yeah like this this type of episode is meant to again give you more of the texture of the world more of the texture of maru and kiriko's relationship right like so what do you mean this early episodes six six and seven is like prime prime filler yeah well Right, yeah. but uh, well, I, I guess it's like I guess some people look at it and go, "Really, like they're fighting a bear? Like that seems kind of like a step down compared to like all the monsters they." Oh, fight. I don't know. Bears I don't know. Are, it's <laughs> like, no, bears are not to be trifled with. Right, like says you. I've read Golden Kamui. I know. Yes. I know how much trouble a bear can be. Yeah, <laughs> so big. But, yeah, there's there's some very, but also yes, as you say, funny. Right, there's some very good like kind of slapstick gag moments in. In the sixth episode, right? Like, where, you know, Maru, you know, like, Kira goes, all right, Maru, finish it off with the Maru touch, right? Uh-huh. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's calling it the fatal dive because these two chuny-ass kids keep trying to come up with new cool names for their yeah. their abilities. You know, the fucking horrified realization that, oh, this isn't a man-eater. It's just a completely normal animal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like uh, and like this kind of episode is what I'm talking about when when the show started and I was like I didn't feel like I was emotionally attached to it yet and I feel like that's the kind of thing that's like kind of drawing me in from that aspect of it right like I I'm becoming more attached to these characters and like invested mm-hmm. in what's going to happen with them um because we have these you know quote unquote filler stories that don't seem to be affecting the main plot but you know it's not all about the main plot that's uh, mm-hmm. you know we, we, we got to care, right? So, um, yeah, I just thought it was, I thought I really liked it, liked yes. that episode, the bear fight. Yeah, 
this dumb bear. This like bear that's got half of its fur like singed off or yeah, something. He, the yeah. bear 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 seen better days, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bear and the uh, well, the hotel visit. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, again, this is like one of those things, right? Of. Like, okay, on one hand, you roll your eyes and go, oh, anime, but also there's an aspect of, like, it is a post-apocalypse. People are doing, you know, what what they they need to do to survive. I'm going to be king of the hotels. You know, we're being we're being sex positive in this show. Yes, you know. Sex positive and... uh, That's a way to put it. Oh my Dr- god, the fucking drug, just drug positive. <laughs> oh man, the fucking perfect. You know, when, when when we talk about like the importance of timing to a good joke, right? Oh my god, the fucking when when Kiriko's like, uh, so Maru, do do you would would you say you see me as a man or a woman, right? And like, fucking, just the hard cut to Maru instantly hopping off the side of the yes, platform. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. No there's, there's, there's straight up jokes in these episodes. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's just like mm-hmm. straight uh, up comedy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very good. I think that stuff really works, especially for something like this where it's like, look, there is going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of hard times ahead, right? Like, there's going to be right. struggle, you know, either, either Maru and Kiriko or the facility, right? Like, we... I'm sure. I'm sure y'all are picking up some stuff that's going on at the facility that uh-huh. are not trending in a good direction. Yep. And yeah. it's like, I think in a lot of ways, Heavenly Delusion understands you have to have some levity in between those moments. Yeah, and yeah, they're they're doing a good job with it. So, yeah, yeah cool. I mean, I, I, that does kind of feel like we're setting up for some things to go down in the next uh, next episodes. But uh, I'm ready for it. Yeah, so. and uh, Maru, Maru's Maru Touch worked on a seemingly normal human. Uh, yeah, that is also yeah. a good so what's detail going to point on? out. What does that mean? Uh, more, more, uh, more questions. Answering us with more questions, but yeah. Yes, more and more questions. Who, who, or what is Asura? <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. Are you other are you expecting child? an alien? <laughs> Threw that the, one in there. No, uh, the child, <laughs> the child in the facility. Yeah. Um, why do the, uh, the adults in charge seem to not really fully understand what's going on, um, at the facility? You know, there's all sorts of good questions that, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So please watch this folks. I feel like (laughs) we're, we're the only people on the planet watching this, uh, you know, go, go check it out. All right. Let's uh, wrap things up. All right, let's with... let's re- return to high impact uh-huh. corporate lesbian violence. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. Who boy, things going down. Uh, Pro- Prospera has played her hand to a certain degree. Uh, and that's, the way to put it. that's that's kind of well. I feel like in the first episode, that's kind of where we're kicking off. We get the. Yes. Uh, <laughs> She she shows up at the school and we get the very hilarious the uh, moment where she shows up at the uh, the Earthian uh, right. garage or whatever. Play the, right, play yeah. the like sitcom laugh track. And all that. <laughs> yeah. right. She's like, hey, I'm Prospero's mom. Tee <laughs> with a little HUD tilt. I'm like, oh my yeah. God. Well. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we, we I guess, yeah, as the first of these episodes, 16, kind of mainly focuses on, I mean, it's a very talky episode of Witch for Mercury, yeah. but a very necessary one in some well, regards. It's like, like, it's like everybody kind of, the status quo. 
kind of everybody coming back from yeah. suspensions right. I mean, or exile right. or wherever they, they were. Right. This is the episode after the Guel fails to save a dying child episode for context. <laughs> um, yes. And we kind of find out that, yes, the school is, funnily enough, not not fully, like, suspended, right? But m- many students are, like, withdrawing, pulling out, right? Like, it's it's very obvious at this point that the pretext of the school is, like, quickly deteriorating. Yes. Um, we have the relations between Earthians and Spaceians getting even worse, right? Like, we get a... Mm-hmm. You know, we get a brief montage that show that, like, anti-Spacian sentiment on Earth is getting more and more prominent. You know, we are told that, um, I can't remember the exact term right, but it's like the Benaric group has taken, like, enforcement of, like, Earth into its own hands, right? Like, it's, it's... We got more, Something uh, like that. Let's we see got more find that. We got more space capitalism kills signs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a lot of like, you know, the, the Benarit is growing increasingly like heavy handed. Carrying on security operations at its own discretion under business opera under a business security laws or something. Yeah. God, yes. At its own discretion under business security law is some real chilling shit. Yeah. Um and so yeah, we we basically, you know, get this feeling that, you know, even if we can't see every moment of it, because this isn't a fifty episode series, like the world that we saw in episode one is rapidly falling apart. And it is the episode in which we kind of see multiple characters sort of come to terms with their ideological convictions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as you say, Lady Prospera reveals her hand to Mirene, right? Like, Lady Prospera is fully, like, mask off, uh, m- metaphorically. At this <laughs> metaphorically, point. Like, not uh, literally. Yeah. She's like... Yeah, Miorine, I am manipulating my daughter. Yeah, I put my first daughter in a Gundam. What of it? I will do also, literally whatever it takes to destroy everything your father created. Yeah, she does explicitly acknowledge that she wants revenge on Delling, yeah, right? Well, exactly. up until this point, it has seemed more like she was, uh, or at least on his side, or at least working together on Quiet Zero with him. Right. And she's leveraging Mirene's relationship with Suleta to basically manipulate her to help, right? right? Yeah. Yes. It's, right. Like, it's I mean, what sort of comes to a pass in these two episodes, right, is that Lady Prospera's, like, manipulation of Suleta basically allows her to, like, hold leverage on, on Mirene, right? Because it's yeah. basically a situation of, like, Either you can let me keep doing what I want to do, which is manipulating my daughter to pilot my other daughter in a Gundam to their (laughs) self-destruction, which I have zero qualms about allowing to continue happen, or you can become the president of the Benaret group, and then you'll have the authority to stop me. But that'll also (laughs) move my Uh plans forward. So, (laughs) it's, it's, um... It's it's some very good, delightful, just classic Gundam, you know, behind the scenes politics. Yeah. Yes, machinations, and and most importantly, most importantly of these two episodes, Guel Coin is going to the moon. All of us, <laughs> Bob is back. All of us, all of Bob us who held back. on to our Jeturk stock, we're seeing it. We're seeing it bounce back, baby. Guel Jeturk is back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So you know, better yeah, than really, ever. Really chilled out <laughs> after seeing children die in front of him. Yeah, I I really like what they're doing with Guel in these two episodes, right? Like he has returned to the fold. 
you know, he has returned to Chetirk, but not because of a sense of like obligation to the corporation necessarily, but because he's finally recognized that for better or worse, Jeturk is where my family is. Jeturk is mm-hmm. where the people I care about are. And mm-hmm. like, right. if protecting them means becoming the next CEO, you know, the right. next inheritor of Jeturk name, then you know, and, yeah, he will mul- do it. Multiple, right? That whole episode is about like multiple characters deciding this is what's important to me and so I will do whatever it takes to protect that yes. thing. No matter what it takes. <laughs> no matter what, no matter what, what shit it takes. I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of ways that then perfectly lines up with the very, uh-huh. <laughs> the That's unbelievably, the me- yes, the the unbelievably melodramatic Yuri tragedy that we get this week. <laughs> in the My heart is in a thousand pieces. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So so um. I mean, me, me and Rene is kind of left with no choice but to play into Prospera's plan, right? Like, right. Because yeah. in a lot of ways, the tragedy of this last episode is Mirene continues to try to test. Suleta, right? Yeah. Like, would you like, give up Ariel? Would, would you give you, up Ariel? Would you, would you give up? Yeah. And the tragedy is Suleta cannot, she will not, right? Because in the same way that Guel feels he cannot escape from the Jaturk family name and what it re- means to him, to to ask Suleta to forsake her mother and the Ariel would be to forsake what she sees as fundamental to herself, right? To to who she is as a mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. right? Also, like to her, they are everything. Right. Also, what's important is that Miorine herself also has things she can't give up, like her pride. Because, like, yes. a lot of the conflict is hinged around the fact that Miorine just can't be honest to Seleta about mm-hmm. that she really does care about her. Right. She has and to I mean, do it in some backhanded way to, like, I know what's better for you. Better right. And, you and the tragedy like, here is that, like, mm-hmm. what Miorine will probably have to come to, will come to a realization in the following episodes is... Is she not basically just walking in the exact same footsteps as her father? Right, right. Yeah. right. Like, yeah, you know, the apple talk- not falling far from the tree. I talked about this way early on about how with with Mirina's and and Saleta's relationship, how they like are doing things to because they to help and what they think is helping right. the other but person they, they because they care some... about the other person, but because they don't talk about it or communicate what yeah. they're doing. It like right. messes everything up. Yeah, right? and they've like fundamentally different understandings of like what doing that means, right? Like, right. Yeah. So even though they're doing something to help the other person, there's like I don't know a piece of that the communication is not there. They don't realize that that's maybe not what the other person wants or needs, but mm-hmm. in their in their brain, they think that's what it is, right? And it's like, right because I mean, like the there there is a very like real like bitter tragedy to Miorine, like, eavesdropping on, you know, um, Suleta and, and Guel's conversation, right? Where mm-hmm. Suleta basically declares her, like, everlasting undying love for Miorine. It's right? not even basically. She says, mm-hmm. we're going to get married right. and get rings and get, like, yeah, like anybody anybody, anybody doubting, like, that <laughs> Suleta is in love with Miorine, they just, like, smash that with a hammer. Right. Like, but, 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 I mean, what yes. the tragedy of the, the, it, though, is that, like, it's clear these two love each other so much, but mm-hmm. like, so what's what, what Suleta's like the tragedy of Suleta's declaration that I will do anything for Miorine? What she is saying beneath that is, I will do anything in the Gundam for Miorine, right. which mm-hmm. is the absolute last thing she wants to hear from Suleta at this point, right? Because now that Miorine understands what it means to pilot Gundam Ariel, right? right? 
it, it takes uh, on a much more sinister connotation. And it, it feels like, yes, like Mio Rene is like in a very misguided attempt at like tr- like trying to make Soleta quit Ariel Cold Turkey, right? Like right. if you won't quit the Ariel, I will steal her from you because I think that is what is best. But I think I think, you know, we all can see from Soleta's perspective, this is probably just gonna drive her even further into Lady Prospera's arms, right? Yeah. Like this. Yeah. I don't know the relationship makes me think you guys know the like uh, the old. I think it's a short story, "The Gift of the Magi." Oh yeah, look. Oh yeah, very, very, yes. very, very. That's what their that's what their relationship right. reminds me of. Where like the their if anybody doesn't know that story, it's I like brought the, you this Gundam for Christmas. Yeah, it's like it's like the, it's like the husband and yeah. wife trying to buy Christmas presents, yeah. and and like the wife cuts her hair to get the to buy a watch chain for her husband, but her husband. Mm-hmm. Sold sells watch the to watch buy her combs for to her buy her combs hair. for her hair, yep. right? And the the moral of the story is different, but it's kind of what it reminds me of. Of like you know, without the communication and fully seeing the big picture, like everybody's like kind of trying to help but not really helping because they're yeah. like, yep. yeah. So that's kind of what it makes me think of. But yeah, it's just it, that's it the, like, that's the that's the drama, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. I do wonder if there is still a happy ending for the two of them in this, because they seem to live oh, in, in such fundamentally different worlds mentally. Like, okay. So Suleta is basically like a child. Look. A child. I mean, yeah. They even, they reflect her face on the unripe tomato and everything. Uh, right. Yeah. Whereas Miorine is forced to grow up so quickly. Here's, and here's the, my, the thing feels that Suleta seems like, a pawn in the game and she is we we have been kind of like do we know who she is is there more to her than if you say it mom and then it right i mean and that's what mirin is trying to do right right like if i I cut solita off from all of her come from from everything and like she knows she'll have to step up right well, she'll Surely she'll just be... have to she'll step up and like take control of her own destiny. And, I mean, right. I, you know, despite like how misguided I think Miorine's actions end up being in this latest episode, mm-hmm. I do think that the overall tri- so whether Miorine and Suleta get a happy ending, I don't think I can confidently speak to anymore. But what I think mm-hmm. I can speak to, based on my understanding of just past character arcs in Gundam, mm. is that. Um, a lot of Gundams are about their protagonists rediscovering their humanity mm-hmm. or sort of regalvanizing the things that make them feel human in spite of piloting the dreadful monster that is the Gundam. Mm-hmm. And I think that... I don't think that the show wants Suleta to stay a part of her mother, right? Like, so much no, of this show, not. so much of, of of Witch from Mercury's theme is not inheriting the sins of your father, right? right. Escaping and- the influences and, and the past, like, actions of the people who came uh, uh, before you, right? right? And so I do think, at its core, Suleta's primary narrative thrust at this point is likely going to be that journey of self-actualization. Yeah. How do I become my own person? Right. Because the show has lo- been so good at, like, not having her be an active character at her, right. just, like, well, ba- like, bending to the whims of the mm-hmm. people she finds important. Yeah, and I do like, think, I do think, um, 
with Suleta, they're setting it up to, to where I think it's going to be like Prospera and even Mirena are not giving her enough credit for being able to understand what's going on. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. she will figure it, you know, I think she will sort things out because, because I think what we have seen and one of the things I've really liked about the show so far is every time, uh, Suleta and Mirine have some kind of big misunderstanding. They do clear it up eventually. Right? They work like, it out by the end. It yeah. takes so like time, even, but they do. Yeah. So even <laughs> like even the like smashing the uh, soldier guy uh, at mm-hmm. the end of season one. Like once they had time to sit down and talk about it, it's like it's not like the like oh I can never talk to her again. Like eventually they work it out. Or like and even in this episode, um, Suleta understands. She's like oh I'm sorry I said something weird last time we talked when mm-hmm. she was saying I would do anything my mother like Suleta is not totally like completely ignorant of everything that's happening, but I, so I do think she'll figure it out. And, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that the pattern will continue, that these things are not like permanently. I, 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 I don't, I don't feel like, or at least I'm hoping that they're not like going to be permanently have this misunderstanding where Suleta thinks Mirina is, abandon her or whatever and right. that they'll you know they'll figure we'll take, it out but that's the thing like, time I think, this time is, is right it's just how long sh- is that going to take but yeah the show is too well written for because a lesser writer would have just been like oh suleta has been so truly brainwashed that she's just a like woman child who will just do anything her mom says and 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 that means that the, the smart <laughs> characters can freely manipulate see, her, and that's the tragedy. Uh, so Whereas, you like see, you say that, but we cannot forget that this is being, being written by Ichiro Okoshi. It's like, uh, well, I, that's I, more I, of a I, wild I, card, right? Look, look, I, I am having a great time with The Witch for Mercury, but Ichiro Okoshi's name hangs over this show like. Like the headman's axe in a way that I cannot, I cannot forget. <laughs> that, that's that's more written a, a lot of good yes, stuff. Yeah, that's, 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 it's just a wild card. Right? Right? It's a, like it yeah. could, it could really could uh, lean yeah. either way. Yeah. Well, my I will say my big hope is I hope that with Mio you know, seemingly in scare quotes, having abandoned uh, Suleta right. and Suleta having mm-hmm. lost the aerial. You know who's yes. you know you know who's got to step up now. It's it's time. It's you know it's it's I'm not I'm, it's it's I'm not the step parent. I'm the parent who stepped up. It's time for Choo Choo and the rest of Earth House yeah. to yeah. have Suleta's back. Like, <laughs> right. What the the trajectory I potentially see this going is that like now that Suleta has right like she's been sort of forcibly cut off from her main like I don't know parasitic's not the right word but like codependent. Mm-hmm. Your, her dependent relationship right yes so yes. like this would give an opportunity for her to like be brought to earth personally and like learn some of the same lessons like guel did by seeing earth personally right. if not not necessarily in like the same traumatic way mm-hmm. but you know to get some of that like she'll her eyes can now see the wider situation instead of just the uh you know person in front of her leading her right. hand i mean like in a lot of ways, this is why I'm almost like now becoming increasingly convinced. Like, oh my god, is Guel just the like prototype run for Suleta's character right. development? Yeah, because like <laughs> all these things we are talking about, we're hoping to happen to Suleta, happen to Guel in the course of like one and a half episodes, yeah, right? Yeah. Like he has undergone great trauma, a great permanent separation from his loved ones, mm-hmm. then endured like 
a tremendous amount of strife and trauma on Earth that has opened his eyes to like the yes. grander shape of the world, and it has made him a more mature, self-assured individual. Mm-hmm. Like, but we're still is- not entirely sure whether this is a good thing, though, because like the thing with the thing with Guell is. His relationship with his father was not as positive as Soleta's relationship with Miorine is, right? It was and not, he, no, but... He might be, like... We, 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 we were warning that he might be learning all the wrong lessons from well, losing I, I, his I, father I, and being traumatized. I definitely right? think that is still possible, to be sure. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think if, I'm, if I'm following you, Aqua, like, his whole thing about, like, oh, I'm gonna basically do this for my dad at first. I think that right. kind of gets supplanted in this latest episode when we see everybody, like his brother and everybody cheering for him, and he's like, right. realizes, like, those, these are, those these, are the people. These are my precious things. Yeah, right. Do those are the things that, right. right. Those are the people he's doing it for, not to, like, and he is you know, in make up for Yorine to, quote-unquote, right. do yeah. what is best for Selena, right? I mean, look yeah. at how much this dude has grown up. He Even he's like, duels? Are you fucking for yeah. real? Like, I, I just saw... How, like, yeah. I do love how this episode is a throwback to season one. You know? yeah, yeah, but and, and I love the contrast, right? Like, you know, now that Google has seen what real ass mobile suit combat looks like, you right. know, duels are like an absurd artifice, an absurd right. mockery of it, right? Yeah, like right. E- even he recognizes it. You know, like he he pilots the Darabald for the first time in like fourteen episodes, and. It does not feel like putting on a comfortable pair of shoes. It feels like right. stepping back into something very like dangerous and mm-hmm. scary, right? You know, and yeah, yeah. But also, hey, shout out to Darabald. Maybe uh-huh. one of my favorite suits in, in the show. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's, also, it's got it's gotten its redemption. <laughs> also, are we going to just ignore the humiliation of Elan Ceres number five? Whatever. Oh man, it's it. so good. <laughs> Little loser boy, dude. This dude gets fucked over so bad in both these episodes. We didn't even yeah. mention right that Elan tries to hijack the aerial, and as we all right. guessed. You try to pilot Ariel without Ariel's permission, like you get your brain fried. Yeah, right. Little Ari Samaya just points at you and says, "Perish." Yeah, right. yes. and then the next episode, he just walks up to Selena and be like, "Give me the robot," and she's like, "No," right. and then he's like, "But I'll die." It's <laughs> fucking little pathetic little taser. He's like, "I'm gonna tase you for the Ariel." Fucking and then he well, starts hanging, hanging out in Loser Town with Norea and Nika. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Shadow Realm where uh, yeah. all the uh, exiles are at. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just... Nika has, just has to sit in the opposite corner from Norea. Yeah. Uh, like... Oh my god, just... It's such a, such a sad state of affairs for everybody in that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh... Things always go wrong when Suleta sings "Happy Birthday." <laughs> oh, God. Uh, oh man. Uh, why, why can't they just let the lesbians win? Uh, we just get to something. We just get there. Something I wish would happen, and I think might have happened in this and version of the show with with more episodes, but I don't think will is. I want to see what's actually happening in Mercury. Like, I think. Right. Yeah. I think, like, that. Like, if I think Mercury you're right that it'll be. Even like, a thing. Right. Like, like, I think you're right that it'll be Earth House that, like, helps Zuleta move through this. Uh, but, like, I would have liked to see. 
I would I would like to see her like because you know she said oh my dream of going to school is so I could open school in Mercury and then like that's not ever been mentioned again except right for, like, if we one actually time. like saw like what it was like to live on Mercury right. we would have a better understanding right. of why Celeste's convictions like, are so strong I think we're supposed to like just conflate Earth and Mercury as like the two. As like the backwards, yeah. I mean, backwards, yeah. backwards places, but yeah, this I think so. Let us, yeah. So let us dream is mostly just like to profile her as like, oh, she is, she is different, you know, she is innocent, she is right, right. I mean, but I'm, I'm saying like, like now that mm-hmm. she is, now that she's in a position where like she needs a new guiding set of principles, right? Like mm-hmm. right. in her own life, that isn't I mean, just following, doing what mom says or doing what me Arena says. This is, this is one of those difficult things, Iro, where I think you are completely correct, and I think the reason we are not going to get it is because this no show time. just does not have the time, yeah. and so yeah. that is why if you read the short story yeah, that uh, the 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 the, right. the, it's the, been a while. the the novella. I know, like, uh, it actually gets that is on Mercury, right? But yeah, it is in the novella. Uh, the, it's like the, the, it's the, basically just like a mining station or something. Like, right. right. The novella explains that Mercury is basically yes, like a mining station. Like its population is quite small, and that life there mm-hmm. is quite difficult. And that where Suleta got her piloting expertise from is that she was like. Yeah, she's like a rescue. Right, she, she was like Mercury's like ace, like emergency rescuer, like that she yeah, could EMT. That, space EMT. Yeah, yeah, she was a space <laughs> EMT. Right, she would use the aerial to get to hard to reach areas and rescue like trapped miners, uh, because I guess apparently the idea is that uh, the 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 accident rate for mining on Mercury is insanely high. So <laughs> right. And it's like I I did know I did know that it's was just like I but do, want it would to be nice to have it in the right? show. Yes. Yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. See, all right, Ira, where I thought you were gonna say is the thing oh. we won't see because we don't have enough time is mm. the show won't let Choo Choo kill. Just oh, let her kill. Let her kill. <laughs> Come on. All these I fucking want- e- all these episodes where Choo Choo's got the fucking wrench or the pipe yes. and she's ready to just brain some <laughs> spacian dipshit. Like, just let her do it, man. Like, what's the worst that could happen? She's just gonna beat up, um, what's his name? Shadik's entire, like, harem. <laughs> yeah, you know, just just let, let let the girl cook. Do the fucking old boy hammer let, fight. Against- let, her, <laughs> let, her, uh, let her be the one that finishes off uh, Elon 5. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, well, I do have to uh, say one more thing. Um, okay. Shout out to Kana Ichinose for her absolutely heartbreaking performance <laughs> at the end of the latest episode. Oh man! Because Slurred that's just that just fucking destroyed me, and yeah. mostly because it's very relatable. Because like, Suleta is like very obviously characterized as someone on the autistic spectrum. Like she has all the traits. And I just think that's very... I've already talked about this on the podcast back with the Elan episodes where she just barges into House Jeturk singing Happy <laughs> Birthday. Yeah. But, I mean, it's such a empathetic take on the character mm-hmm. that it makes like an yeah. alt that does not reduce her to... That's the whole thing why I like like the thing that she is not a pawn who just listens to like that is obviously a part of her character because you know that is what her 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 mindset is like mm-hmm. but she is like the show emphasizes with her and shows that she is a fully rounded character who 
can in fact make her own decisions even if she thinks in in very strict like patterns and very strict black and white like ideas mm-hmm. So I really hope that what we have been talking about here is true and the rest of the show will focus more on Soleta finding her own destiny and coming, like, being, becoming independent from Mm -hmm. where she has been in the past couple of episodes. Just being, like, a, like, basically a trophy, almost, for various, like... Mm -hmm. Right. Just being used factions to manipulate, yes. Right. Yes. Just just being used as the pilot of Ariel, right? Like, and no, right. Else, right? Yeah. Just being, manip- mm. yeah. And I, I, I feel pretty confident that in some capacity that will happen. Like, right? that's right. that's got to be where we're headed. But you know, who well, knows? For now, we see it. Tanuki's smile status not protected. <laughs> Oh, no. oh, oh, oh. The, well. the cockatiel must pay for her. To, crimes. to make to make to make things uh to make things worse, next week isn't it a recap yeah, episode? Right. God, it's such so a we gotta sit, brutal what a brutal cliffhanger to leave. Yes, we on. gotta sit on this brutal cliffhanger for two weeks. Uh I guess it's not as bad as the end of sitting on the end of season one for like uh three months, but it's still it's I don't still, know, man. I don't know. At least she was happy at the end of season one. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> and now, and now, I just have to like for two weeks think and be there that Suleta is somewhere out there crying and screaming. Yeah. Well, that's very, nothing new for Gundam protagonists. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode. Then we'll call it there. Uh, let's do our our housekeeping. Uh, we're still on Twitter. That still exists. Uh, oh, well, our web, sorry, our website. I got out of order. Our website is <laughs> theglorioblog.com where you can uh, see all of our old first looks. I guess we're almost halfway through the season now, but that's uh, who knows what seasons are anymore, right? Uh, so theglorioblog.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog, on co host at Glorio. You can subscribe to we're the still podcast. On the ship. <laughs> on uh itunes google play spotify amazon music podbean stitcher of course youtube you can check us out there where you can like comment subscribe ring that notification bell uh you know tell us what shows we're missing or tell us why we're wrong about these shows we're not but you can try um you know we're also definitely not missing one (laughs) yes clearly are watching the only shows worth watching this season uh you know tell your friends tell your enemies and we'll catch everybody next time bye